Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's show was recorded on November the 22nd, 2016. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me as always, the Alpha and the Omega. Caffeine Rage, and I'm not sure if I like this. <laughs> <laughs> on today's show, we will of course be discussing the games that we played this week. The Golden Joystick winners were announced, and we're about to tear them apart. <laughs> what? Ubisoft does something that seems like a good idea for once. We'll have our weekly community corner and a special edition of the Steam Deals recommendations because of the fall sale. Rage, oh, and timestamps will, of course, be in the show notes following their respective <laughs> topics. Now, Rage. Nearly messed up. How are you? Nearly. So close. Nearly. I saved it. I saved it. And I could edit it out and no one would be the wiser, but I won't. So. Because that would require effort. It would. So how are you this week, Rachel? <laughs> I'm doing all right. It's uh, been kind of a little bit of a boring week. Uh, just uh, really plodding along on everything. But honestly, boring weeks are uh, fine by me because, you know, usually when something uh, uh, interesting happens, it's bad. Yeah, I love when I get those boring weeks every once in a while. Um, this week has been a little bit weird just because with Thanksgiving come on, coming up, I had to cram a bunch of clients into today and oh my. quite a few canceled because of the holiday. And so my tomorrow is today was a little weird for me. Tomorrow's a little weird for me. And then yesterday also was weird for me. Uh, it's um, all right. It's weird for me when you're around as well. Fair play. Fair play. Hmm. Delicious water. I've got a lot of water over here tonight. There might be multiple bathroom breaks. Oh boy. <laughs> Oh, well, I hope you went before we started. I did. I always do. <laughs> that means I'll make it like an hour and a half, maybe. A bladder the size of, the, of a pea. I drink a lot of water. Gotta stay hydrated. Um, So, right off the top of this week, I'm going to get this out of the way first. Yeah, um, it looks like the cheeky little monkeys are going to be upset. Are they? Uh, if you're uh, announcing what I think you're going to announce. I wasn't going to do that, but I can announce that also right after this. Uh -huh. I just wanted to say really quickly, last week I made that joke about, and Kyle's about to, I don't know. I don't know if he'll be mad or not, but I made that joke last week about uh, Kyle sending in death threats. And he, he messaged me after he listened to the podcast and he wasn't really upset. He just was like, hey man, I just want to let you know I would never do that. And I was like, <laughs> oh, did this joke go a little too far? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm sorry, dude. I'll I'll make an apology on the show. And he's like, no, you don't have to do that. And I was like, no, I should. I want our community to know that we respect them. <laughs> so I do apologize, Kyle, for taking that joke a little too far. Um, I also apologize if this is like embarrassing or weird or you didn't actually want me to do it. But tough. I'm the show host. I get to do this. Uh, the second thing that I'm going to announce that's going to make you all so sad and you two chemists is that we are now officially uh, on Podbean. Uh, the, all of the details will come at the end of the show whenever we, and I probably should put those in the show notes, actually, whenever we do you the, put our them sign in the out. show notes. Well, I'll put them there where that you can put them where you want them to. <laughs> but, because uh, I saw what, I've seen what happens when you touch the show notes. Fair play. But we signed up for a year, uh, of Podbean hosting, uh, thanks to the support of our generous patrons who take care of us. 
Um, but that does mean that we're going to be moving off of our both um, our RSS feed onto a new RSS feed. I've still got to get that part specifically sorted out properly. Um, does this mean with, I'm uh, going to have to learn another website? Yeah. Ah, fuck. But we'll be dropping one of them. Well, on the plus side, hopefully it has a better URL. What was which URL are you currently talking about? Uh, that... Video Game Logic Podcast dot blogspot dot com. Oh no, this is um, I believe it's VGL Podcast dot Podbean dot com. So it's not that much better. Well, on the plus side, yeah, it's not breaking the VGL Podcast on everything else. No, that is very true. Um, yeah, I'll have to, I'll look into that stuff later. Maybe when we take a break, I'll get it put in. That way we can plug it properly at the end. Um, but for the next couple of weeks, while I'm getting things sorted out and the kinks worked out, we're going to double post, which more work, a little bit more work, but just to make the transition smooth and just in case I screw up the first upload or something like that. Uh, so for the next week or two, we'll do double posting. But after that, we'll make a final announcement and say, okay, this is the last episode that's going to be at our old RSS. Everybody move over to the new one. Like, you have to move over to the new one if you want to keep listening, so... Yeah, and also, you should probably uh, put a small uh, audio file at the end of the old RSS. Yeah, I, I I can do that. That'll be pretty... Or that'll be very easy yeah, to just, do. Yeah, just a couple minutes saying, uh, uh, we are moving to a new RSS and uh, give a uh, link. Yeah, I can do that. That'll be really easy. So, we did it, guys. We got it all sorted out. I got everything worked out with PayPal. I found a service that offered unlimited... Uh, monthly uploads at a fair price. Yeah, because it turns out that we're kind of hard to fit into most <laughs> payment schedules. Yeah, that was the hardest thing. Like, everybody was like, yeah, you know, with your podcast and your budget, you can just use this service. And then that service is like, yeah, there is a $5 plan, but it's like, you can only upload this many gigabytes or this many hours per month. Or not gig- gigabytes, megabytes, sorry. Uh, we could, gigabytes. Uh- we could be okay. maybe put one episode up on th- up yes. that. Yeah. But because I pod- was looking at some of them, and yeah, some of them, we would max out after one episode. Yeah. But Podbean has a plan where that if you pay for the whole year up front, uh, it works out to a little over $9 a month. Um, and they have unlimited uploads and unlimited bandwidth, which is another thing that we run into issues with because our podcast is so long. Even with our, I hate to say limited because like to us, you guys are like a huge audience, but in the yeah. grand scheme of things, our limited audience, even just because of the size of our podcast, we use a lot of bandwidth from hosting services. Boy, so, we're going to make them regret this, aren't they? Uh, maybe. <laughs> but Podbean's got a lot of neat tools that I got to just figure out how to use. Yeah, maybe um, uh, there's some nice promotional tools in there. I haven't looked at Podbean stuff at all. Um, there are some promotional tools. We can also monetize the podcast through Podbean if we ever choose to go that way. We can have yeah, premium. that's something that we're going to have to figure out at some point. We can have premium subscribers, which I don't think that we're yeah, ever going to do. Uh, that's yeah, not an like hour. Yeah, but I mean, there's there's lots of little tools and all kinds of things. Yeah, in other words, we're going to have a it. nice little talk at some point in the not too distant future about this. Yeah, I've been struggling to import the RSS because our episodes are abnormally large and so like it would import a few episodes and then be like the import process has failed so i had to run the import tool. And then, and then just start crying in the corner why are you doing this to me 
I had to run it like 10 or 12 times and it's still kicking back errors on certain episodes. And I just was like, you know what? I'll deal with this later. Could always just do a manual upload. I could. I'm going to have to do that anyways for some of the episodes that had fallen off of the RSS just because it had been going for so long. Yeah, the podcast is uh, quickly approaching a year old. Mm-hmm. Indeed it is. But uh, enough about that. Enough about Podbean. We'll plug it later, and as we discover more things, I'm sure we'll talk about it a few more times. But, yep, we are, we are official. Uh, I think what we should do is take the next month or two's Patreon um, monies and mm-hmm. give that to um, Internet Archive. Yeah, that doesn't sound like a bad idea. Give them a little bit of cash for putting up with us. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, technically our content will still be hosted there. Yeah. I assume forever, unless the site, you know. Yeah, the, the site doesn't do a, a deletion on it, as far as I can tell. So it'll still be there. And there's uh, also other archives. We have both copies of uh, uh, the podcast on our YouTube channels. So that uh, serves as a secondary archive. So, you know, even if the RSS feed uh, goes down uh, uh, when the uh, podcast ends, because, you know, that, uh, it's not something that you like thinking about, but it's something that, you know, you have to admit that you know, the podcast isn't going to last forever. Nope. We'll go for as long as we can, but eventually all good things must come to an end. Or we just die. <laughs> that still means it comes to an end. <laughs> Because that's probably about the only way I would stop doing this because I've been a pain in the ass doing episodes. <laughs> I couldn't imagine podcasting with anyone else, buddy. Oh, Until you get to replace me with Kyle. <laughs> nah. Maybe. Depends on how much I have to apologize for. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, we have plenty to apologize for already. <laughs> yeah, good point. All right. You ready to go talk about some games? This is going to be a huge game-heavy episode. Yeah, lots of games to talk about this week, just in general, with all our topics and uh, what we're planning for the uh, weekly picks. So, if you don't like video games, why the fuck are you listening to this? That's a fair point. If you don't like video games, why are you listening to us in the first place? <laughs> I mean, I'll happily accept the numbers, but... Uh, yeah, true. You know. It's very weird, uh, and, you know, and if someone absolutely hates video games and is listening to this, there's there's some artillery of motive going on that I'm not sure if I like. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. Uh, Jared wakes up in somebody's basement. Wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> and you'll be like, that. I'm okay with this. <laughs> Depends on how nice the basement is. Had to remember to start my music. <laughs> I don't think it's, I mean, we we talk about it, that, that at least you listen to music. I also listen to music when we record sometimes, but I always pause it for the intro. I struggle enough to get through it despite having done it, like, I don't know, 50, for nearly 50 episodes at this point. <laughs> I still struggle to get through it sometimes. Music well, the just thing makes is, it uh, it changes so much. That's true. It does change every week. Yeah, and if you're wondering, I'm listening to some Chopin right now because I am civilized as fuck when I'm re- uh, recording. I'm listening to a classic rock playlist on uh, Google Play. Currently, I'm listening to Rockaway Beach from the Ramones. Good song. Anyways, let us move into our games, Rage, as we, as we do. Uh, we'll get back to normal this week, and I'll let you go first. 
Yeah, uh, back to abnormal <laughs> with uh, what I did for the Sunday sampler this week. The Book of Demons. A card-based uh, sort of ARPG, it, or at least it wants to be an ARPG. That's my problem with this game, is that it tried to boil down the ARP genre to its core, and I think it boiled it down so much that it burned it. it okay. Uh, my main problem with it is that it feels so much like a mobile game. And I, uh, that's actually my problem with both the games I'm going to be talking about this week, but uh, uh, the other one far more so. Uh, let's put it this way. Movement in this game, well, it's your typical ARPG. You're going into a dungeon, going down the uh, levels uh, to kill the big bad boss at the end. I absolutely love the art style of this game. It's all paper craft and uh, all the movement, uh, you know, uh, sort of South Park style where, you know, instead of animation, you know, they're kind of just jutting along. Right. Uh, And the gameplay isn't bad except for one key thing that kind of bugs me. Well, actually, two key things that bugs me. One, the movement. If you... Go on the uh, Steam store page and you look at the uh, uh, at one of the screenshots that shows the actual dungeon. You'll notice a path. Yeah, uh, you see that? Yeah. Okay. Actually. Yeah, that you're, little you're, stone you're, path. Yeah, yeah. Your hero can only move along that path, and that makes dodging incoming damage nearly fucking impossible. Making it so that you have to rely on a more tanky build. And honestly, that kind of takes away a bit of ARPG uh, strategy because some builds and some characters are more based around ducking in, doing a lot of damage quickly, and then ducking out, avoiding a lot of damage. And you know that's what I mean by they tried to boil down the ARPG genre and just missed the mark. And also the other thing is that it plays more like a cookie clicker than an ARPG game. Yes, I realize ARPGs have a lot of clicking in them. But in the early access build that I played, you only have the warrior up, uh, as a playable character. But anything that you could see on the screen, you're able to click and do damage to. Which felt more like a ranger character or a mage character. The only real difference between the characters is the available cards that you get. Which makes it feel you know, like the character classes don't matter all that much. It's something that bugged me uh, playing. and uh, It's one of those games that I don't think it's for me. Someone that liked uh, that likes these kind of things uh, would enjoy this game, but I didn't. Yeah. There, there were things I really liked. Uh, there was a something that they called the Flexoscope. Which is basically changing the length of the levels to make it so that you can play a shorter game if you really want to. But anytime that you play a game, you're progressing the main story. You're progressing further down the dungeon. And there's no going back. Uh, you know, If you hit a brick wall, you're fucked. So that's something that kind of bugged me as well. That's interesting. I do like the option, though. Like the yeah, I like the option, option it, but it felt that, that feels more like an option for a mobile game than a, a PC game, to be perfectly honest. Because once you get to the end of the level, you could still, you know, back out and go to town. It, right. It, it just doesn't make all that much sense to me. I like the option. It's just, you know, it's something that uh, makes it feel more like a mobile game. And like I said, the just how the combat uh, works in general, where instead of uh, combat being focused around your character and, you know, casting spells out, 
it's all, you know, just clicking what's on screen. And it doesn't really matter if you really have line of sight on something or not. Right. So it's it's that weird uh, disconnect and making it feel more like they were trying to be an ARPG with card elements, but never really uh, figured out what an ARPG is about. The card element is interesting, though. There is a very limited number of cards in the uh, early access build that I played, but they are promising to have more uh, by the time the game releases uh, toward, uh, either next month or in early 2017. And they, some of the cards do greatly change uh, your playstyle, or makes it so that you can be a lot tankier, which you really, really need. But I'm a little concerned that yeah, you know, the randomness of the cards, because uh, that's how you attack is uh, your cards, or you have the auto attack, which is just click and hold on something. You know, it it could be a little bit detrimental because you know if you don't get a good card or you don't get that heal card that you desperately need, you may be in a lot of trouble. Right. Sounds interesting. Yeah, it's interesting, and, but yeah, at the same time, it, I have issues with it. Let's see uh, other things that they have. The, uh, this uh, cauldron that, uh, as you go down the dungeon, you get ingredients that goes into the cauldron and essentially makes like a uh, upgrade and uh, item soup that you occasionally go collect. You can see the what I'm talking about on one of the screenshots, and every time you uh, co- uh, collect those prizes the price uh, goes up to collect the next set. But if you die, you know, all those prizes go away. So, you know, it's sort of a risk-reward thing, which I kind of like, but at the same time, I don't like that it's constantly increasing. Granted, it does start very cheap, so, you know, it's one of those things that you have to be fairly good at the game to uh, be able to uh, go long enough to get a good set of prizes without, you know, just causing that cauldron to be completely inaccessible because you hit it too many times. Right. And uh, hmm. let's see. And also the cards have a mana cost to them, as you may expect with the equipment cards. You can see on uh, one of the screenshots, uh, it actually eats up your mana pool. So as you uh, build up your mana, you have to build it up further than what you normally would, for, especially for a warrior or, or a ranger class. Because all the equipment that you equip uh, cuts into that pool. So it's something that you have to balance out fairly carefully. And if you're not careful, you're going to end up with, uh, you know, not be able to equip the cards that you need to be able to survive. And I'm afraid also that you're going to end up brick wall- walling as you just continue further down to the dungeon. So, yeah, a few concerns about the game overall. Right. But the thing is that it does have a free demo that you could try, which has a fair chunk of the game, I believe, down to the first boss. So, yeah, it is something that you you can try out. Yeah, I would. It it looks interesting It looks very pretty. It is a very beautiful art style on it. It, Yeah, it does look good. But it's also so busy with uh, what it's doing. Because you have to uh, click all the characters to uh, do damage. There's only a handful of AOE abilities that I ran into. Uh, you uh, are stuck on this uh, track that it just makes no sense because if something's sitting at the end of the track and shooting arrows at you, there is no way for you to dodge at all. And that just drives me absolutely batty. Right. Uh, if you uh, get stunned, you have to... Uh, uh, everything kind of slows down and you have to click stars. So that's why I said that. It feels so much like a mobile game. Uh Different characters have uh, different uh, uh, 
uh, things that you have to do to them, like the, the Red Heart characters, you know, it's simple kill. But anything that has a shield, you have to click the shield icon and hold on that unless you have an ability that uh, breaks the shield down immediately. And, you know, the, those icons can be very uh, lost very easily in the uh, all just the gigantic mess that could happen in a very, very big battle. Casters also have icons that you have to click and hold to basically counteract their uh, spells. And while they're casting, they can't take damage, so you have to interrupt them. And letting casters just have free reign could be very detrimental because they could summon, they could just uh, pour around and cause you all sorts of trouble. It's just, like I said, it's graphically very pretty, but it gets very, very busy very quickly. Right. I'd like I try said, it. Not for me, but, you know, if someone wants something different for an ARPG or is kind of interested in the ARP genre, but likes... Uh, more mobile style games or more uh, I, I hate calling this mobile style but it's the it's the best way i could think of to describe it just how it handles because there's only limited uh hotkeys with the abilities but even then uh the abilities uh, you could be cursed which will offset your card and you have to click on it to uh, fix it uh, and you can't do that with uh, the the uh, uh, the hockey, so you have to click on the cards uh, occasionally anyway. So yeah, that's why I said it feels so mobileish. Right. Yeah, it seems interesting. I'd like to give it a shot. I don't know how much I'd like it. It's got a couple things in it that I'm like, well, I usually don't like this, but yeah, it does and have a nice art also, style, uh, and it and it's looks... also isometric, which I know you don't like. Yeah, but it does have a nice art style, and it looks, um. It's interesting. Yeah, it looks interesting. It, it looks a little different. Mm-hmm. I like that they're trying things different, but the thing is that it just doesn't feel like it plays all that well. And this is also the first of seven planned games from this company that uh, they're planning on uh, shaking up different genres. Uh, and they're going to be all interconnected. And uh, the opening screen makes that very clear that they're planning on this, uh, that they're going to be connected in some way. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be uh, it's interesting to see where they're going to uh, go with this and what else the this company is going to do. Because, yeah, if they could do a, a more simplified uh, RPG, for example, or a more uh, simplified action game that they're not boiling down too far, then it'll be interesting. And I yeah. hate using the word interesting so often, and it makes it sound like a negative term when I say it like this. But it's, yeah, it's one of those things that, I can't really praise it, but I can't really condemn it because, you know, I don't personally like what they did with some of the things, but also some of the things kind of work as well. Right. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> what is your other game? Uh, my yes, other I game. I said interesting. Yeah. My other game is a very mobile-esque. They call it a brain training game, but I'm going to respectfully disagree with them. It's a math game. Uh, you play uh, essentially a caretaker of this little girl named Chili, and you're trying to find her mother in uh, China uh, through a road trip. And how it plays out is that uh, you watch a cutscene, and during the cutscene, you have to watch very carefully because there's all these numbers that will pop up, and you have to click the numbers to essentially collect them. Okay. And uh, once the cutscene plays out, you have a number that it's given to you and the numbers that you collected, you have to try to make that number. So you may have one half 
So it divides, uh, you know, your current number by half. Or, you know, maybe uh, times uh, something or plus something. And you're just trying to make that number. And that's the game. And, so it's like a math yeah. puzzle game. Yeah, sort of. But, the, but here's my problems with it. One, they need to fucking learn how to port to PC. Because if I have to go into the Windows Mixer to change your volume, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. And also, another strike against it is the numbers are semi-randomized. And it's requiring you to hit both arrow keys and click the numbers at the same time. So, uh, you have to be either juggling back and forth or, you know, one hand on the keyboard, one hand on the mouse, trying to desperately click around while you're trying to do a uh, arrow key sequence. And yes, it is arrow keys, by the way. Which I can't even think of a game that's used arrow keys in quite a while. Maybe Sleeping Dogs for the uh, 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 for the cell phone, but that's actually a fairly old game now. Yeah, the only games that's, I can think of that do it are pretty old. Well, not and, that, and that's not something old, that but... you have to do at rapid fire while having to click on little numbers that may or may not, may not be in that uh, cutscene. And also something else that really pissed me off was the question mark arrow keys. They'll give you a sequence that you have to memorize, and then you have to type in the secret, the sequence. And this sequence was between 7 and 10 uh, uh, arrows long. And you have a time limit of just a probably about 10 seconds. And every time you get one wrong, it cuts down the time. Okay. Yeah. So maybe that's how they're trying to get the brain training in, you know. And make you have a fucking aneurysm? <laughs> Maybe so. That does not sound great, though, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. there's a reason why I didn't uh, play this game that much, but I absolutely, once again, fell in love with the art style because it does have a very good art style. Uh, it has this, sort of this uh, cel-shaded hand-drawn thing going on. Yeah, I really like the art style. I'm looking at it on the Steam page. Yeah, and that's why I originally started uh, trying it out for the Sunday Sampler, was that I wanted to uh, uh, do a video on it, but it just pissed me off so much. Yeah. It's really interesting. This is a very unclean or not neat art style. Like yeah. it, it very looks dirty. very Yeah, it looks very messy, but in a good way. Mm-hmm. Kind of like... It looks almost watercolorish uh, with yeah. some of the some of the uh, things, like the uh, wash tub that you see on one of the uh, screenshots. It looks like uh, you know someone took watercolor and uh, uh, colored it in. Yeah, it looks really nice. I, I like it. It's yeah, a shame I absolutely love the art style, but oh, yeah, it just great. Was one of those things that it, it's a game that I think would make a really good. Uh, game the movie, you know, like on YouTube, you know, cut cut out all the gameplay elements and just have all the cutscenes together, right? Because it uh, had uh, something going on with uh, trying to find her mother, but the thing is that it was just so infuriating to try to play it. And like I said, maybe the brain training is trying to just prevent you from having an aneurysm. And you can see uh, on one of the screenshots while I was talking about where the goal is 189 times 2. And you have those numbers. 
and you could also swap them out with other numbers that you collected in the previous cutscene. Yeah. That's what I was trying to talk about. So, yeah, that's where it uh, gets a little uh, frustrating. And also you have, uh, well, in the in the screenshots case, you have 45 actions to get to it, which may seem like a lot, but depending on the numbers that you get, it can be a little tight. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And uh, really disappointing because I wanted to like this a lot more. But it just feels, once again, like a mobile port, but in a very bad way in this case. If it releases and it's cheap enough, I might actually pick it up. Like, even, uh, you know. Supposed, the... Yeah, it's supposed to be pretty cheap, if I recall correctly. Like, I'd pay like five bucks for this and spend a couple hours beating it to experience the story and. Just have a fucking aneurysm whenever it says. Okay, here's uh, 12 uh, question marks that you have to remember the error keys for. And here's uh, 10 seconds. Go. Yeah, that might be frustrating. But, I mean, if the story's good enough, I think it'd be worth it for me. Well, the, thing cheap, is, I, the thing is, I didn't even get uh, in, that far into the story before I gave up on it. Because I started hitting all the question mark things. It's like, okay, yeah. You're not giving me enough time to even... Uh, memorize it. I would have trouble getting uh, uh, the error sequence down without the question marks. It was that tight a uh, time frame. Yeah. But yeah, All that right. wraps up uh, Chile. Alright. Well, that means it's my turn. Um, first game I've got on my list is a game by the name of Zigfrack. Um, tight. <laughs> it is a very odd name. Zigfrack is an older game. Uh, it was released originally in 2012. Um, Back when the dinosaurs roamed the earth. Indeed. And it is kind of sort of procedurally generated looter shooter in space. Um, there are completely pre-built scripted portions of the, the galaxy uh, where the main story takes place. Mm -hmm. But there are some options when you start a new game to determine things like how many factions exist in the world and how peaceful or warring everyone is and things like that. And then all of the space that's outside of kind of the story mission. The space between the rest spaces? Yeah, the space between spaces is uh, <laughs> randomly generated so that you get um, different play experiences for when you go exploring and do side missions and stuff. Um, the game was dead for a couple of years after it came like it released it did okay for a little while and then it just kind of died off and the dev disappeared and everyone thought that the game was just done which the game itself still worked it was still a fun game but it did suffer from being older and being on a 32-bit um, engine and just the amount of crap that can happen especially at high levels when you're playing the game and be like you i mean you can be swarmed by hundreds of enemies and, you know, since it's a looter shooter, you're constantly, like, leveling up and getting better ships and equipment and stuff like that. And so, you know, 200 ships might be all right for you to deal with, but your computer might be groaning under the weight of all of the <laughs> stuff going on. It would be very cinematic. It would be very, <laughs> would be very cinematic. But literally, like, a month ago, if that, the dev suddenly showed back up and was like, hey. Rose from his grave? Yeah, he's like, hey, I've actually been working on this game for a long time. Uh, I rebuilt it from the ground up in 64-bit OS form. Uh, everyone who owns the game already will get you know, that as part of an update. Your save files will be fine. And that's the new version of the game going forward. 
and he added a whole bunch of new story content. Scripted I didn't stuff. mention something about brains. <laughs> oh. yeah, but he added a whole bunch of new stuff to the game and revamped some of the systems, fixed some changes that people had been complaining about for a long, or you know, changed some things that people have been complaining about for a long time. So I spent a couple of three hours this week playing it, and um, it's still a blast. Uh, it does do some things that the some of the changes are a little bit weird. Like the game always had kind of a tongue in cheek humor to its its scripted dialogue and the bits of it that are actually um, uh, voice acted. Most of it's reading, but some of it is voice acted, and it was always a little bit tongue in cheek. And he did take it and kind of tip it over the edge and make it. I don't know, almost like a parody in some ways. Um, I think he's parodying a lot of things that have happened in the last couple of years in, in sci-fi. There's some No Man's Sky references and... Um, well, is Sean Murray uh, just exiled on a planet somewhere? Uh, <laughs> no, well, maybe. I don't know. I haven't I haven't found that. But uh, the, like the trainer makes reference to... makes a reference to... Um, Hello Games, and there's like some references to The Office in there. The Office TV show, that is. And I'm like, this is weird, but okay. So it's it, it's kind of, I don't know, some people might like that. I find it a little bit too much over the top to actually be funny. It just is kind of groan-worthy. But, you know, hopefully the, the regular tongue-in-cheek stuff still exists. I don't think he read the entire story, so I'll get to that part eventually. But it's a it's a fun game. The only issue that I really have with it is it doesn't have the best support for controllers or flight sticks. Um, so it's kind of hit and miss on what works. For example, an Xbox 360 pad works, but an Xbox One pad does not. Weird. Uh-huh. Uh, my Logitech joystick does not work. There are people who say that their their Logitech joysticks do work, and I realize that there's different types, but... In general, they use the same sort of mapping across devices. Yeah, the um, fact that an Xbox One controller doesn't work while the 360 does, that, those are both uh, X input devices. Those should work, both of them. Yep. He must but, be doing something really weird coding-wise. Yeah, so I don't... I mean, he's been really good about... Um, the, the, the dev has been really good about being on the Steam forums, talking to people, fixing bugs. Like, for example, when I started playing the other day, there was a a bug that myself and several other people were experiencing who were on Windows 10. Um, and it only affected Windows 10 users. Go figure. <laughs> but uh, uh, there was a bug where we got caught in a loop in the training mission and we couldn't progress past the first 30 minutes of the game. And within like eight hours of someone posting that the bug, like they were experiencing the bug and a few other people going, oh yeah, I'm experiencing this too. This is how it seems to be happening. He had came in, seen what was going on, said he was going to fix it. Figured out how to fix it and pushed an update. Sheesh. So, dudes, dudes working hard. Like the anti-Hello games. Yeah. And, and it's not, I mean, it's still very playable with mouse and keyboard. You can do tons of stuff to set up um, a mouse as like a virtual joystick. And you've got the keyboard, so you've got a million and one buttons that you can set up to do anything that you could do on a joystick. But it would be nice if I could play it with a joystick. I'm going to go ask in uh, the, uh, the forums later. If there's a fix for it or if he plans on adding increased joystick or controller support. So we'll see. But I've really been enjoying it. It's, I mean, literally just looter shooter in space 
it's <laughs> it's borderlands with spaceships is is the best way to say it except the loot is even more disposable like you can set up rules for automatically replacing your loot just because you get so much crap so it's a fun game though if you're looking for just like like mindless destruction and exploration with a a, a sci-fi twist zigfrack may be for you it's definitely for me and it's cheap too i mean it's only eight bucks and that's full price so it goes on sale all the time so it's it's one to watch if it's if that sounds interesting to you yeah it sounds somewhat interesting very interesting we're saying interesting a lot again <laughs> we are i'm gonna take a quick sip of water before i move on <laughs> mm, delicious water okay next on my list um is portal 2 we finished the co-op campaign and the dlc and the DLC. Uh, or at least uh, the first DLC. The second one you can't technically finish. That's true. But the second DLC is, is workshop content. So, I mean, I suppose you could finish it. Eventually, there will be no more maps produced for the game. Eventually, uh, Kyle has just anything to say about it. He's already <laughs> threatened to send us uh, co-op uh, maps. Go right ahead. Make yeah, sure that I, they're... But the thing is, uh, we'll end up in a crate somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I, if If audience members want to send us maps the only requirement is that they're actually beatable they can be difficult but they have to be beatable i don't want you to send us a map and be like hee hee you can't actually beat this map we will find and you co-op would be uh, preferred yeah co-op would be preferred but anyways having beaten the co-op campaign just wanted to talk about it for a little bit that game is awesome yeah i really like cackling like crazy at the ending cutscenes. yes they are um, they were amazing I mean, the, the game is great. Valve has some excellent puzzle designs that they put into that game, which is particularly for the co-op mode. I mean, it's important for single player, but I feel like it's even more important that the, the level designs be good for co-op. And they, were and they also used the, uh, the fact that you had two people uh, very intelligently at some times. Yeah, uh, certain puzzles, the, the way you had to complete them. Like I, the one I don't remember which you know which level it was, but where we had to jump through a portal at the same time and crash into each other. Yeah, so I was about to say exactly that one. <laughs> that was probably I think the best example, but there's lots of other examples. Or uh, towards the end of the DLC, where we uh, had to essentially swap places a couple times to get all the our portals in position. Yeah, and it was fun. They, I mean, some of them we were definitely a challenge to figure out, but at no point did I feel like the puzzles were unfair. I just felt like we were either being too stupid or too smart for our own good. Yeah, we were trying to overthink a few of them when it was, you know, very simple uh, answers. Yeah. I am going to go back and play the single player. I mean, I really enjoyed Portal 1. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing about your adventures in the single player. I'm going to put together a list of games that I'm going to complete over Christmas because I have... 10 days or 11 days off from the clinic and i mean family's gonna be here and we're gonna be doing stuff but i definitely will get plenty of time to play games uh so especially because there's gonna be people here i can play games more reliably during the day so it portal portal 2 is on the list of games to complete uh during that time i'm probably gonna strive for two or three uh short to to medium length games as opposed to just like one massively long one yeah, Portal 2 single player, I want to say, is six to eight hours. Yeah, and I would consider that a pretty short game. 
And also, I think you would be more on the short side now that you have experience with uh, the puzzle elements. Yeah, with all of the mechanics of the game. Yeah. So, I'm looking forward to it. Great game. They'll never make a third one. Valve just can't do three. They they only know how to count to two. You know, I'd love to see them do something like uh, the black blo- a box, and it's Left 4 Dead 3, Half-Life 3, Portal 3, Team Fortress 3. <laughs> a long time ago when Steam boxes, like, we yeah, didn't yeah, know what they, were, they originally had a black box. Yeah, but there was there were a lot of people that said, you know what, when Steam finally releases those Steam machines, it should come with all of those things, and they would sell a billion of them. If they made Half-Life 3 uh, exclusive to the Steam machines, they would sell so many Steam machines. Just because they've had this cliffhanger for, what, the better part of a decade now? Yeah. Uh, and the fact that the DLCs ended in this absolutely massive cliffhanger and threatening to tie together Portal and uh, Half-Life. As a matter of fact, there's a Easter egg in Portal 2 that I want you to find. Okay. That's mentioned in the ending DLC, or the ending of the second DLC for Half-Life 2. Okay. Uh, have you played the, the DLC? I have. It's been a long time, though. Okay. The, uh, shall I tell you it, what it is so you can try to find it? Yeah, you can, or I mean, I can okay, just look it, it is, up online. It is the dry dock for the Borealis. Okay. It's in Portal 2. Oh, okay. Interesting. I'll have to, I'll have to find so, that. So uh, when that came out, people were like, oh, they're doing Half-Life 3, they're doing Half-Life 3. No, they're not doing Half-Life 3. Honestly, I would be surprised if they ever do Half-Life 3 at this point. Yeah, I'd also be surprised. Uh, pleasantly surprised, I might add, but you know, they just have so much on the line now. There is no way that Half-Life 3 could live up to the hype. And not even the hype that they generated. This isn't a No Man's Sky territory where you know, they generated hype for years to uh, just epic proportions and then just shed out a game. They have actually said nothing about Half-Life 3 or have been very closed about what they were saying about Half-Life 3. And people have torn apart Half-Life 2 and its DLCs, torn apart Portal 2, trying to find these connections and trying to find where Half-Life 3 could be going. Yeah. Or even the you know Half-Life uh, Episode 3, because originally it was going to be three episodes. And, you know... The, Boy, Valve really missed the mark on episodic uh, content, huh? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Still waiting for that third episode, guys. Oh. Okay, well, are you ready to go talk about our main yeah. event? Our main yeah, line? Let, yeah, let's dive into this. All right. Uh, all right. Let's change things up and talk about video games. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's go talk about the Golden Joystick Awards. <laughs> um there were how many categories were there 10 uh, i think so let's see well there's a uh, best original game there is best storytelling best visual design best audio best multiplayer best indie best moment in association with absolute radio which some of these are spoilers so i may not want to dive into those uh, most uh, wanted game in association with Green Man Gaming. Uh, game of the Year. PlayStation Game of the Year. Nintendo Game of the Year. PC Game of the Year. And Competitive Game of the Year. 
Yeah, I wasn't counting like a dummy. Well, yeah, I, that's why well, I was read them off. I was, 13. You, I was expecting 13. you to be counting them. <laughs> 13. 13, guys. 13. Um, the, so, and there are four lights. Yeah. Um, so what we're going to do is we're just going to go through each of the categories like we always do. We're going to say what won it. And then we're going to discuss whether or not we agree and which game we thought should be the winner. Yeah. Well, we should probably also mention the nominees, which some of these uh, uh, categories have yeah, 17 nominees. So we're not yeah. going to dive into each of them. Yeah. So let's just go ahead and start right down the list. Uh, best original game. It uh, The winner was Overwatch. Yeah. I, I'm, uh, I'm not sure if I agree with this. Yeah, you know, just the fact that original game and Overwatch is so derivative of really everything that really Team Fortress 2 put down. Yes, but Overwatch was or is um, a uh, new IP, a new sort oh, okay, of Okay, okay, okay. L- l- let's put it this way. If this wasn't a Blizzard IP and Overwatch came out exactly the same... From, uh, let's just pick someone at random, Ubisoft. <laughs> Would it have won this? Uh, is it the fact that it is Blizzard putting out a new IP? Giving it tough. that edge. That's tough. Because, I mean, Blizzard puts out so few IPs. Yeah, they've uh, been busy on the treadmill uh, cranking out uh, either Hearthstone uh, content, which was the last major IP that they've released, which was a derivative of their other IP, World of Warcraft, was or Heroes, Heroes, or was it Heroes of the Storm that was the last, which was Heroes also of derivative was of all of their IPs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure if Overwatch, I'm with you, I'm not sure if Overwatch is the pick, but I think you're more to, a little more like, no, it's not. I'm a little more like, well, well maybe I could see well, it. Well, let's look at the other uh, nominees for this. Abzu, which I don't recognize. Oh, uh, We're going to put a break in here. What? I just heard the train crossing a drop. So, now that we're back from our little break. Yeah, a little uh, bit of sloppy editing and some elevator music. Absolutely. You were going to start. Which, uh, let's be honest, uh, elevator music beats train uh, whistle. Most of the time, yeah. I've left the train whistle in a couple of times. Uh, on accident? or <laughs> No, on purpose. Just because it f- flows with the edit. Yeah, poor listeners. Um. Anyway, so you were reading off the uh, the list. You yeah, mentioned yeah, Abzu yeah, let's, first. Yeah, Abzu, which honestly I don't recognize. Um, Abzu is a little... Um, it's going to be a mobile game, isn't it? No, it's not a mobile game. It's a like a. Oh, oh okay, a okay. Now that I look at it, now I recognize. Now I recognize it. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's it's I didn't recognize it by name. Yeah, it's made by the people who made Journey. I believe. Ah. Yeah, let's see. Firewatch, which uh, is a walking simulator. Fury, which is a boss battle arena. Hyperdrive, uh, Hyperlight Drifter, which I don't recognize. Um, I don't recognize that one either. Do some quick Google. Uh, it's it's on Steam at least. It looks like it's a uh, uh, an exploration game uh, that has a very nice art style. Yeah, it's a two D ARPG. Let's see. Uh, there's Inside, which also I don't recognize all that well. Uh, looking that one up. Yeah, 
this is the problem with the, some of these uh, niche games. Very nice art style once again. It, it's hang on, who made this? Because this looks familiar. Oh, inside is the made by the people who made Limbo. Uh, made Limbo. Yeah, I was about to say. Wait a minute, this looks familiar. Now that I look at it, they had No Man's Sky. <laughs> There's actually one category on here that I'm going to defend No Man's Sky for, but... Probably visuals. Yeah. Yeah. But even then, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll get to that. Quantum Break, which is interesting. It's uh, a... It's, it's third person, isn't it? It's yeah, a it's third a third person, person action, uh, uh, action game. Kind of a beat-em-up with yeah. some RPG elements. Yeah, with a heavy focus on time manipulation. Yeah. Uh, Soma, which oh, I always blank on this one. I know it, but it's a, it's, a deep sea horror game. Basically. Okay, okay, yeah, it's one of those things that I know the game, but I always blank on it. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, Tom Clancy's The Division, which with <laughs> how that turned out. Yeah. And then the the Witness, which yeah, I hope you like uh, line puzzles because boy, we have a lot of line puzzles. Yeah. Yeah, this is actually a tough category because there's really no clear winner. But, I think I think Quantum Break should have been yeah, it. Quantum Break, but it does have its uh, uh, it has uh, some issues with it performance wise. Maybe that's why I'm a little hes- hesitant on it, or at least on PC. And they they do have a interesting thing where they're tying in webisodes, almost like how Alan Wake did. Yeah. So yeah, that's an interesting way of doing it except they're integrated like yeah it's not an optional thing that's one of the main reasons that i think that it it makes um best original game like mm-hmm. it's trying to do something a little bit different yeah because uh, they kind of have choose your own adventure elements to them and you pick different you know, different choices give you different little webisodes and shape your story differently going forward and in a few different ways i really like the idea of that um, kind mm-hmm. of emergent narrative and looking at storytelling differently. A lot of people didn't like it, and I understand why, because if you skip them, you miss a lot of stuff. Yeah, you have no idea what the hell is going on. But, I mean, to me, being a story guy, I think that that's great. So that's what I would say I think should have been the best original game. But I do understand yeah, I, that, that game I think I would uh, probably agree with you on that. Wow, I'm, lo- I'm looking at the uh, others. Uh, Tom Clancy did The Division. Interesting idea, but it just didn't do well. Uh, granted, post-launch uh, support supposedly has improved it quite a bit. Yeah. The Witness, eh, Soma, um, I honestly don't know enough about it. No Man's Sky. Uh, Inside feels so much like Limbo, uh, from what I've seen of it. Now that I recognize the game, because it's one of those things... But it and Soma, I'll look at the name and I'm blank on it until I look at a screenshot. Like, uh, Hyper Life Drifter, it is a very pretty art style, but I don't know enough about it. Fury is really interesting. It's essentially a arena combat uh, bosses only. Uh, the only thing that I could think of that's even close to it would be actually. Um, oh, now I'm blanking on it. All the Titans uh, PS2 day, uh, game. Um, shoot. Uh, I'm blanking on the name of it. <laughs> I know what you, game you, you're talking about, but I can't think of the name either. But it's the game where you basically go on yeah. a journey and you fight like eight bosses or something like that. Maybe it's more than that, but it's just giant bosses. 
Yeah, and I'm completely blanking on the name of it. Shadow of the Colossus. There you go. That's it. Yeah, Shadow of the Colossus is, is the only other game I could think of that's similar to Fury. So, and that's well, I should say gameplay wise, where you're only fighting bosses. So I'd say that would be the also a strong contender. Firewatch, <coughs> pretty standard uh, uh, walking simulator, and Abzu. Uh, so yeah, I think I think I'd put it a toss up between Quantum Break and Fury, depending on the day of the week, you know. Yeah, I think I'd say between Quantum Break and Firewatch, although I'm leaning more towards Quantum Break. Firewatch had some interesting psychological elements to it that really mm-hmm. draw me in, but that's an incredibly personal thing, yeah. you know. Like, I mean, that game did appeal to other people, but I definitely would have a special affiliation with it just because of the way that they handled the potential. Like, are you going crazy? You know, that sort of thing. That element. Yeah. Of the story. Well, the thing is, also, I haven't played Firewatch yet. And yeah, it's on that's... my to-do list, and that's why I don't know that much about it. That's fair too. Honestly, you can just watch a Let's Play on, on yeah. YouTube and get most of it. Yeah, well, let's uh, speaking of story, let's move right along. Right. Uh, to best storytelling. The winner of this was uh, The Witcher 3 Blood and Wine. So, not even The Witcher 3, but a DLC for Witcher 3, which I'm not sure if I agree with them giving it to a DLC. Unless it's a DLC category. Yeah. Because this is basically rewarding... Uh, the Witcher 3 twice saying, you know, uh, well, uh, everything else sucks so much that we have to drag a DLC into this. Yeah. Which it just feels so weird to give the, give it to a DLC. And and this isn't the first time that they're, uh, that we're going to be talking about this as well. No. Um, uh, so the other nominees, uh, or do you want to talk about this? Uh, about what? About the fact that they're giving it to DLC over a full game. Oh, no, no. I was going to go talk about the other nominees because I don't think that The Witcher 3, since it is a DLC, I don't mm-hmm. think that it should be included because that game came out last year. Yeah, that, that that's the thing. That, that's really how you have to try to figure this out because how do you define when a game releases, especially these days where you have early access, you have uh, pre-orders that give you uh, access early, you have uh, heavy post-release uh, updates. Just Well, look at The Division, for example, because... Supposedly, the division's last uh, major update fixed some major issues that that were had with the game. Yeah, but yeah, are, are you considering the division when it launched, or its current state, or what it could be? So yeah, it's just a, a very weird thing there. So uh, the other uh, nominees in this were Firewatch once again, Oxenfree, Quantum Break, Rise of the Tomb Raider, uh, Soma, Tales from the Borderlands. Uncharted for A Thief's End, and Zero Time Dilemma, which a couple of these I don't recognize. Um, Let's see, Zero Time Dilemma, that's a uh, Nintendo DS uh, game, so I would not know that one. Tales from the Borderlands I know of, but I never really paid attention to because it's Borderlands and I've kind of broken away from what Telltale has been doing with their games in general. Honestly, Tales from the Borderlands is probably the best Telltale game that exists to date. I haven't played Minecraft Story Mode, which supposedly gives it a run for its money, but I've played all the rest of them, or almost all the rest of them. Tales from the Borderlands takes the Borderlands universe, which... I do like the universe, but it's one of those things that I just kind of uh, fell off from because uh, it was turned into such a bullet sponge. Right. Well, what Tales from the Borderlands does is it takes all of the promise that exists 
in the Borderlands universe that you kind of get scraps of through the main the main games, and uh, it just expands on it. The, there's a couple of you know quick time event combat sections, but most of the game, like probably ninety five percent of the game, just revolves around conversing with people from the entities that you know of from inside the game, like other execs and and people that are in the Hyperion Corporation or certain bandit factions that you've met in the games that um, you kind of link up with to for mutually um, beneficial reasons and, and things like that. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's it's the best, I think, of the Telltale games, like I said. And it might, you know, I know that you dislike the Borderlands for the combat and stuff like that. There's almost zero of that in Tales from the Borderlands. So, you know. Well, I you shouldn't say you, I dislike but... it for the combat. I disliked it for where the combat went. Right. But it is a good one, so... Yeah, might be worth your time. Yeah, it's just one of those things that... Uh, uh, where uh, I think we're not really going to have a clear winner on this just because a, a couple of these I have uh, personally avoided uh, any story notes on because I want to play them like... Uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider. I want to play that eventually. Yeah. Oxen Free is on my list. Uh, Firewatch is on my list. So, uh, just from uh, what I know, uh, and based on just what you said uh, with the previous one, I would uh, lean either Firewatch or maybe Tales from the Borderlands. Even yeah. though uh, I've kind of broken away from how Telltale is uh, away from their point-and-click uh, roots. Uh, and Maybe it's just that I didn't really care for The Walking Dead. And that's, uh, yeah. And I've uh, not really tried to dive in again. Yeah. I will say that uh, a couple of their uh, things have been interesting, but it seems like Telltale is turning into a mill for uh, licensed games, which concerns me. They are. Although I am excited that they're doing the Guardians of the Galaxy, or they're doing a Guardians of the Galaxy Telltale game. Mm -hmm. That information was leaked as a part of the documents that had to be revealed uh, for the voice actors. Yeah. Strike. So Telltale, unless something happens because of all of this, is doing a, a Guardians of the Galaxy game, which, in case you don't know, that is in the Marvel universe. And I yeah, love Marvel. Yeah, which means that you absolutely love it instantly. Yes. I love Marvel. I love Guardians of the Galaxy specifically as like a wacky. It, Guardians of the Galaxy is weird. I, it would take me too long to explain it and run on a comic book podcast, but it's weird, <laughs> even for Marvel. <laughs> So to have a story made by Telltale, which I do really enjoy the Telltale style of game, or the Telltale genre, I'm really excited. But, yeah, it's kind of a toss-up for me between Firewatch and Quantum Break for reasons we already discussed, and Tales from the Borderlands, just because of how good a job, in my opinion, that it does in in expanding on the Borderlands universe and Mm -hmm. how much, you know, meat is there for storytelling. I don't think The Witcher Three: Blood and Wine should be on there. That game. The fact that it's a DLC. Uh, if they had a category, uh, best DLC, I would uh, fully support. You know, the, the Witcher being in the in this list. But the fact that it, yeah, it's here is just. It feels like an insult. Yeah, I don't know. And speaking of would... uh, the the Witcher: Blood and Wine, uh, guess what? One uh, visual design. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, I don't know if, if that game or if that DLC here, I don't know if I go so far as to call that an insult, but I do feel like that they were probably being a little preferential because 
just about everybody loved The Witcher 3. Yeah. And I'm sure they want to give it some more awards, so why not pick it, you know? But yeah, I don't so, think it should be uh, here. Yeah, but uh, one best visual design as well uh, over Abzu, Battleborn, which, <laughs> poor Battleborn. I will say that Battleborn is very pretty, but it's also very, very busy. Yeah. Brutal, Dark Souls 3, and somewhere Kyle's squealing. <laughs> Doom, Firewatch, Fury, Hyperlight Drifter, Inside, Mirror's Edge Catalyst, No Man's Sky, and that's going to be the only time I don't snicker when uh, we, I mention No Man's Sky. Overwatch, Rise of the Tomb Raider, Soma, Super Hot, The Witness, and Uncharted 4. Can they make the list any fucking longer? Prob- probably not. That's like all of the nice looking games. Um, This one's extra tough. Yeah, extra I would tough. say uh, Fury is definitely a contender just with how it looks. Yeah. Uh, Abzu, I just commented on how pretty it looks. Yeah. No Man's Sky is basically a screenshot generator at this point. Cause no, no Man's Sky is basically, uh, you know, uh, get high as fuck and play this game. Yeah. But I mean, uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider is not an ugly game. No, but I don't think it belongs on the list. Yeah. It, it, I, to me, this list feels more like, it's it's games that should be not realistic, that they're going for a particular art style. Yeah. And that would uh, rule out Rise of the Tomb Raider. It would partly rule out Doom, but yeah, Doom is also doing its own thing. Dark Souls 3, kinda, but it's also this uh, really dark and gloomy thing that is completely different. It would definitely rule out Uncharted 4. Yeah. This is probably the only time that would uh, really support the witness uh, being in contention. Super hot. It has an interesting art style, but the thing is that it's so bland. It's uh, it's almost untextured. But then again, this is also visual design and not graphics. So yeah, it's it's a very tough uh, call, really overall, because yeah. really, a, well, most of these games can make a argument, except Witcher Three: Blood and Lawn, <laughs> why it's here. I would actually oh, think yeah. I would give it to Firewatch. It is a very nice looking game and they do uh, an interesting thing with its art style. Firewatch does look interesting, but I didn't have it in mind for a pick. Let me go back and review that art style. If I'm recalling it correctly, because there's, you know, uh, how uh, all the screenshots look. and Firewatch is very pretty. It's not yeah. trying to be realistic, but at the same yeah. time... It has a, a, a very colorful uh, look to it. Yeah. Firewatch is very Yeah, if I had to relaxed. pick, I would, I would give Firewatch... Um, I guess I would give Overwatch a, a nod uh, here. Uh, granted, it once again, it, Overwatch feels so much like a, a Team Fortress 3, almost. Except yeah. changing uh, genres from... Uh, first-person shooter to almost a uh, first-person MOBA. Almost, but not quite. I think Overwatch has got some really interesting and well-done character design. Yeah, but but the level design is a little hit or miss. Yeah, the rest of the Uh, visual elements. Abzu is definitely up up on the list. Yeah, Abzu is gorgeous. Actually, I take it back. I would... uh, I'd probably give Abzu then uh, secondary to Firewatch. Now that I really sit here and think about it, um, which mm, 
Yeah, I think that's uh, how I'd do it with Fury being third. I think I would say... Oh, this is tough. I'm actually between No Man's Sky and Mirror's Edge Catalyst for my first spot. Um, I I really I've I always loved the Mirror's Edge. I just refuse to acknowledge No Man's Sky. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I've I always loved the Mirror's Edge. Um, yeah, it's also art very style. clean. Yeah, and and Catalyst kind of takes that and turns it up to eleven. Um, I think I think I would give my top pick to Mirror's Edge Catalyst. Honestly, now that I'm sitting here thinking about it, talking about it. I think I would say No Man's Sky would be second, and probably third would be Abzu. Because about the only thing that No Man's Sky got right was its visual design. Um, and fleecing people. Well, yeah, but it on a positive note. Well, No Man's Sky's soundtrack is pretty good too, but there are better soundtracks. But the visual design is great. I love it. So I think those would be my top three. Okay, so uh, let's go to the audio side of things. Uh, the winner for this one was Fallout 4. Which, Fallout 4 came out last year, but... Yeah, DLC. Was, yes, well, Fallout 4 also was in the past year. So, yeah, so maybe if they were going a, for like a, a fiscal time. year type of thing. Yeah, I wish they would have you know, had the uh, limitations, you know, say, okay, the game had to be out about this time. Uh, but uh, the... Uh, uh, nominees were Aptitude, Doom, Hyperlife Drifter, I Am uh, Setsuna, which I have no idea what the hell that is, Inside, No Man's Sky, Overwatch, Star Wars Battlefront, Thumper, and Uncharted for A Thief's End. I would say Star Wars Battlefront is a definite frontrunner on this. Yeah. This is one of the few things that Battlefront did well. Yeah, whenever, whenever I it, looked at the list, I was like, huh, Battlefront's on there. Why didn't that win? Yeah, really. Because that is about the only thing Battlefront did right. Let's see. I Am Setsuna is a JRPG that is supposed to be a like heavily influenced by Chrono Trigger. Ah. So. Yeah, this is the first time I've ever heard of it. Oh, it's on PS4. That's what. Uh, no, no, it looks like it's it has on Steam. Steam. Well, uh, it just, uh, you know, the image just came up and it's like PS4 first. It's, yeah. It, Interesting, but then again, this is audio design, and it's going to be very hard to really judge that, so I have to go with what I know, and what are the games on here that I know is No Man's Sky, Overwatch, Battlefront, and that's it, so I have to give it to Battlefront, and I know a little bit of Doom. Hmm. It's tough. If it was best soundtrack on everything that's on here, I'd probably say No Man's Sky, but best audio seems to include the entire audio for the game. And for yeah. that, I'm between Star Wars Battlefront and Doom. I think Battlefront uh, wins out just because of how... I mean, the, that game in terms of visuals and audio is Star Wars. It's not yeah, a Star Wars did, game. It is Star Wars. Yeah, they did an amazing job just trying to make it look and sound like Star Wars. Unfortunately, it didn't play like a good game. <laughs> no. It was very shallow. It was a very mediocre game, but... I mean, Doom definitely has some really interesting qualities. The soundtrack to Doom also is amazing. So many really good heavy metal tracks. Um, there's a lot of really little, there's a lot of little things in Doom that make it go a long way too. Like, this, this might sound a little gross, but like the sounds of bones cracking and kind of that visceral jibbing sound whenever you blow up a demon. Um, 
Doom has a lot going for it, actually. I'm I'm not talking myself out of Star Wars, but I am talking them Doom into more of a tie with Star Wars. That's tough. It's tough. Um, I would say uh, what really puts Star Wars over the top is the fact that they use the movie soundtrack. Right. You, know, you, 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 you get that Star Wars experience. Right. Yeah, I think I'd have to give it to Star Wars, but just barely. It's like, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, like, Star Wars would be a 10 in that category, and Doom mm-hmm. would be like a 9, or a 9.9. Like, they're really close. But I think you're right. I think Star Wars has to get it, just because of, it's Star Wars, man. They actually made it Star Wars. Okay, so shall we move along to Best Multiplayer? Yeah, let's go to Best Multiplayer. Okay, Why not? the winner was Overwatch. Uh, and the nominees were Broforce, Call of Duty, Black Ops 3, Dark Souls 3, FIFA 17, Guild Wars 2, A Heart of Thor- uh, Thorns, Halo 5 Guardians, Keep Talking and No One Explodes, No Man's Sky, Pro Ex- uh, sorry, <laughs> I had to throw <laughs> No Man's Sky in there. <laughs> oh, you, you little joker, you. <laughs> Pro Evolution Soccer uh, 2017, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six uh, uh, Siege, Star Wars Battlefront, Star, uh, Street Fighter Five, Tom Clancy's The Division, World of Warships. Which what the fuck is that doing on here? <laughs> yeah, that game is still in beta. Like it's in yeah. not point five something. Yeah, and this isn't the first golden joystick that they put this in. I don't believe. Uh, and Worms uh, WMD, which also. Can you not put uh, acronyms in? Uh, having it PES 2017, I have to Google to see what the fuck that is. Oh, I I knew that one. I knew I knew Pro Evolution Soccer. Oh, once again, a tough one. Uh, Overwatch is you know everyone's baby right now. I would have to say that keep talking. And no one explodes. It's definitely a, a contender though, just with how they handled multiplayer. Yeah, the but novelty that's very, of that multiplayer. Experience. Yeah, but that's a very one-on-one experience, and I think that really hurt it overall on the judging because it's not your traditional experience. It's, you know, one guy has the game sitting there and the other guy has a manual and flipping through it and trying to help the other guy not die. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know how Star Wars doing on this list. (laughs) Yeah. That is not a very good multiplayer game. Um, I don't know how I feel about Guild Wars. I mean, Heart of Thrones is a, is an expansion to an MMO. So, but Guild Wars 2 is what, four yeah, years that's old? Another or something one like that? is uh, just, you know, how do you define what gets on the list? Because if we're excluding DLCs, then we should be excluding expansions as well. Well, I think expansions are fundamentally different than DLCs. DLCs are kind of smaller, you know, small to medium content additions, while expansions are supposed to be very large. Yeah. Expand, you know, I mean, expansions. They add huge yeah, the, amounts of content. Yeah, the problem to the game. is that that line's been blurred hugely these days. That's fair. That's fair. Because if you go by that logic, then uh, what about Blood and Wine? Because that's also supposed to be a very massive DLC. That's fair. Blood and Wine was huge. Um, yeah, I think I would just say exclude Guild Wars 2. Uh, honestly, the multiplayer in Guild Wars 2 is not that great. Um, it has some interesting elements to it. Uh, like the combined worlds, uh, like servers are, are different, like supposed to be different universes, but mm-hmm. certain world events that, you know, would count as multiplayer take into account the, uh, the progress of all servers. So those are some neat things, but that in itself, I don't think 
is enough to even make me really consider it. Because, I mean, it is an MMO, and MMOs a lot of times don't have the best multiplayer systems, which sounds weird, but outside of, like, questing with your friends, a lot of MMOs fall flat in the PvP arena. Uh, MMOs are, first, a chat room. Yeah. Second, a game. Yeah. Do do you think that's uh, fair to say about, I want to say, 90% of MMOs? I think that's fair, because, I mean, if you don't build a way for the community to interact fully enough then your MMO dies because nobody communicates and, and then you become off. destiny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Poor destiny. I really liked destiny. I didn't give a shit because it's not on PC and That's I'm fair. not going to play a shooter on console. That's fair. Yeah. I don't know. Overwatch yeah, this is, is a tough baby. one to give uh, dark souls three. It's uh, uh, that uh, seamless multiplayer where somebody invades, right? Yeah. And personally, I hate that sort of thing. But I, or a lot of people do like it. Otherwise, they wouldn't keep doing it. But I, I want to almost give this to, uh, well, excluding Overwatch, because I think that's probably the game of the year just uh, for multiplayer because of how crazy it's been. Yeah. If, if I had to give it to a nominee, uh, I would say probably keep talking nobody explodes just for how novel it is. Interesting. I think I'd say Rainbow Six Siege. Uh, Rainbow Six Siege would be my backup. Siege has been incredibly popular this year. And it's, and it's gotten a lot of updates and uh, support as well. Yeah, it's received a ton of support. Siege is actually the rare game that here lately, its numbers have been outperforming its launch numbers. Which, on PC, that's you know that's a one in a million thing right there. There are very few games that can do that. Or even or one come in a close. Rainbow Six. hey so I think I'd have to give it a Rainbow Six Siege, honestly. Um, yeah, that, outside that's of my Overwatch. secondary choice. Uh, and then the rest of these, you know, is really more of the same. Yeah. Uh, Rainbow Six Siege is doing something different with very being very destructible. Yeah. Uh, the Division, like we said before, some very interesting ideas in that game that were poorly executed. Yeah, which has improved over time. It's supposedly it's uh, actually somewhat decent now at the high end. Uh, so everything that I've heard... The leveling experience is great, and then when you got to the end game, it yeah. became a grind. You have to go to a particular uh, uh, dark zone in order to uh, compete against other players to try to get the best uh, loot. Supposedly, the last patch that came out, either today or very recently, made it so that the dark zone is no longer a requirement. But also, another problem I have with Rainbow Six, uh, the Division, or sorry, Tom, Tom Clancy's The Division, is that... It's very, it seems very samey, you know. Oh, you get the same gun, only just stats are better. Yeah. Which is part of the problem that I had with uh, Borderlands when it uh, came down to it was that uh, Borderlands 1, you had a lot of interesting weapons that did some unique things. It seems like uh, Borderlands 2, they forgot that that was a thing. Yeah, Borderlands 2 went for, we've got 10 hundred kajillion guns that are all, you know, roughly the same. We have 18 quadrillion planets. That are all roughly the same. <laughs> um, so, I, I find it interesting that we're ignoring several games on this list. Yeah, really. Um, like, I World mean, of Warships. What the heck is that dude on there? Yeah, I have no idea. One, the multiplayer experience in World of Warships is not all that great unless you're playing with friends. Which, I don't think that's enough to get a game anywhere because... Most games, you can say, oh, this game is better if I play it with my friends. 
Well, Plus, if we're saying that, then we have to take out Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes because that's something you definitely don't want to do with somebody random. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, World and Plus, well, I think World it's Warships more World of Warships isn't out. Yeah. Street Fighter V. It had some, some severe it has issues. Some when severe on issues. It still has some netcode issues. I wasn't sure if it had been fixed or not. Yeah, no, some of the, a couple of the podcasts I listen to, there are people who like the game. And the general sentiment is, well, it's better than launch, but, uh, it still has problems. And also, uh, didn't do, didn't it do a weird thing where it basically launched as a bare bones game and, yeah, uh, did a bunch of updates, uh, way post launch. Yeah. To try to just get the game out for the tournaments. Yeah. It was, a like a triple A early access game. Cause it Which, only uh, launched. Didn't label it as an early access game. That was the big thing. Yeah, it launched with only I think the the story mode, training mode, and the basic online one v one fighting mode, and all of the other stuff didn't launch with the game. So yeah, which yeah, that just takes it out of contention. Yeah, uh, Pro Evolution Soccer I don't know enough about. Uh, Halo Five don't know enough about. Well, FIFA, Halo Halo did some interesting things with Halo Five. A, a couple of interesting things in terms of like modes that they created. I mean, basically they added a MOBA mode, a first-person MOBA mode that had, like, massive, uh, or it had, like, multiple lanes and massive things that you could call in and power-ups and all that jazz, but really it was the same old Halo experience with a new face, plus they added awful microtransactions to the game, like, horrible, horrible microtransactions. Yeah, that's been pretty much the entire thing I've seen about Halo. And in my opinion, that... just all the uh, microtransactions. And I think that disqualifies it. Just the microtransactions disqualify it from being on the list. Because it's not... Like, I know that Rainbow Six Siege has microtransactions, but you can get basically a starter version of the game, and the standard game gives you lots and lots and lots of the in-game currency. So, it's a little bit... It, it can be frustrating, but it's a little bit less so than in Guardians. Like... In Guardians, basically, if you don't spend microtransactions, it takes you like something like an additional 200 hours to get all of the content unlocked for you. And only? I mean, yeah, only. And I mean, I like Halo, but I don't want to spend 200 hours just to get everything. Yeah, sometimes it feels uh, like I uh, won out whenever I just didn't pay attention to Halo when it was pretty clear that they weren't going to really do anything with the PC versions. Yeah. But so. yeah, I would say Overwatch is still the winner on this. With uh, for me, keep talking and nobody explodes just because it's so novel, right? Right. And I agree that Overwatch Overwatch is the winner. I mean, it is this year's multiplayer game, and and honestly, like a serious game of the year contender for a lot of people. Um, but for me, Rainbow Six Siege is its like close second. Okay, so best indie game. The winner for this was Firewatch. And it's really a who's who for this list. Uh, Banner Saga 2, Fury, Hyper Life Drifter, Inside, No Man's Sky, which, get the fuck off this list, you were <laughs> backed by Sony. Yeah, Sony pretty much funded that game. Oxenfree, Pony Island, Starbound, Stardew Valley, Superhot, The Witness, and Undertale. Undertale is another game that came out last yeah, year. It, yeah, and has been pretty much everybody's darling. Yeah, it was everybody's darling last year. Yeah, when did that real? 
Well, it released uh, September 15th, 2015. So if they're doing financial years, yeah, it, uh, it probably fits in. Yeah. That's the problem is that we have to try to figure out yeah, where the cutoff is. Uh, Firewatch is definitely a contender. I would say, well, Stardew Valley was just amazing. Uh, if you uh, liked uh, Harvest Moon, Stardew Valley was Harvest Moon, but better in pretty much every way. Yeah, I think I'd have to say, I mean, Firewatch is great. That's definitely a real contender. I think, though, I'd have to say Pony Island. Um, I, I you know, don't Pony really Island. know a lot about Pony Island. Pony Island is one of those, it's it's a, a meta game. Like, no. it starts out and you think that Pony Island is just like this really cheap kind of endless runner game mm-hmm. and but there's certain tasks that you can do and certain things and suddenly you start discovering like a lot of interesting things about the world of pony island and the game like it um you pick up clues for what you need to do and eventually you go and you rewrite the code to the game to uh, based on what it tells you which unlocks like the real game yeah, i've had it on my wish list for a while it's just yeah it's one of those almost filler games it's fascinating how much effort and time was put into this game um, that honestly a lot of people were really turned off in the beginning because they didn't want to put in the time and I totally get that like I mean the developers took a risk but or a risk but for me it, it, that's a big contender just because of how much that that developer did with that game but there's also a couple other games I mean I have not personally played Stardew Valley yeah like I, I said Stardew Valley is essentially uh uh, uh, Harvest Moon Plus. Yeah, it's on my list. I know I'd like it. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. What, what was hilarious was there was some uh, real campaigning to try to just uh, usurp this and put Domain Sky on every uh, award that it won or that that was uh, nominated for. Well, I'm glad that did not happen. Yeah. I want to give it to Stardew Valley myself. Uh, Firewatch is, like I said, a really good, uh, real contender, but I don't know it well enough. But Anor Saga 2 is supposed to be really good as well. Yeah. Uh, Fury is also really good. I could see Superhot being on there too. Yeah. Because Superhot yeah, did some only, really inventive things. Yeah, my only problem with Superhot is that it's so damn short. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I, I know I'm a, a big gameplay guy, but it's only a couple hours long. Yeah. I'd, I'd probably say either Firewatch or Pony Island. Yeah, Both and of those I would go Firewatch or uh, Stardew Valley just because I know Stardew Valley. Granted, Pony Island, if I had experience with it, I'd probably uh, lean towards it as well. Because it looks interesting. Yeah. So, best gaming moment in association, <laughs> with, in association with Absolute Radio. Yeah, this is very specific and probably, I mean, it sounds like a sponsored thing. I don't know that yeah. for sure, but it really uh, It's definitely like... a sponsored thing. Yeah. I mean, it's an association with. Yeah. And uh, there are a couple minor spoilers in this. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, uh, well, we'll just go ahead and dive into it. What the hell? Uh, the winner was play the game in Overwatch. Yeah. All That's right. Thing. Cool. Uh, I would say that would be a feature and not a gaming moment. Yeah. Let's see. Climbing the tallest building in uh, Mirror's Ed's Catalyst. Uh, these are the nominees. Flying the Millennium Falcon and, uh, well, it says flying the Falcon, but I'm assuming the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. In Star Wars assume. Battlefront. Uh, the return of Abnor Londo and, uh, 
Dark Souls 3, and Kyle was probably cursing me at uh, the pronunciation of that, but Kyle, it's my thing. I fuck up names. Uh, the Brotherhood of Steel arriving in Fallout 4. The Car mm-hmm. Chase in uh, Uncharted 4. The Ending of Inside. Unleashing the BFG 9000 in Doom. And unlocking uh, the secret of Psalm 46 in The Witness. I mean, yeah. I'm not sure if I could really uh, comment on any of these because I haven't played these, uh, so I don't know the moment. This is really tough because for me, I- I'm familiar with some of these things. And for me, the winner is Brotherhood of Steel arriving in Fallout 4. But that game came out last year, and so we don't know yeah. how we feel about that. That moment, though, was amazing. Yeah, but they're all- but here's the thing is that this award is also... You know, uh, they start voting in, uh, well, in October. So maybe it's September to September. Yeah. I mean, out of all the moments, the Brotherhood of Steel arriving in Fallout 4 was the best. Oh my gosh. That was so exciting. Um, I hesitate to say too much because I don't want to yeah. spoil it very much, but it was great. When it happens, just stop and take it in. It's glorious. Yeah. Uh, I'm not really sure if I could really comment on any of these. Uh, if the uh, gameplay was better, I would say that flying the Millennium Falcon in Star Wars Battlefront would definitely be a contender, but the uh, f- fighting mechanics in that game, especially for air, just seemed to be off. Yeah, it just it doesn't seem very special to me, though. I mean, I've been able to fly the Millennium Falcon yeah, in the every fact Rogue happens, Squadron game. Yeah, and, uh, well, and also the fact that it happened so often in Battlefront. Yeah. If it was, you know, uh, a, you know you're usually uh, flying an X-Wing and then, you know, you're a one in a thousand chance to say, oh, you're flying the Millennium Falcon instead. Yeah. The car chase in Uncharted 4 was pretty cool. They used that during their E3 demo. Um, But, def- yeah, it's definitely a brotherhood of steel for me. We were, I don't know if you remember this or not, but we were, we were chatting on TeamSpeak or something whenever mm-hmm. I actually got to that moment in the game. And yeah. you were like, don't spoil it. Whatever it is, don't spoil it. Yeah. Um, so I don't think I even told you it was a Brotherhood of Steel appearing. Although, I mean, now you know. But great moment. Great moment. Uh, so uh, moving on? Yeah. Because I really can't comment on any of these. Yeah, I can't comment on any more of them. Okay, so the most wanted uh, game in association with Green Man Gaming. <laughs> uh the winner is Mass Effect Andromeda, which I could see why, but at the same time, uh, all the things that happened with Mass Effect 3, yes, I've realized that uh, it's a lot that's in the last half hour of the game, just kind of left a foul taste in my mouth when it comes to the Mass Effect series as a whole. Yeah. I'm incredibly excited for Mass Effect Andromeda. Uh, that's- it's... Uh, the fact that it is essentially a side story and that they're breaking away from Mass Effect in general uh, is probably a good thing for me, just with how I feel about the Mass Effect series. Yeah, I really like that move. A lot of people don't, but I think it's good for them to get away from the main series and do another game that's not focused around Shepard. Well, well let's uh, dive into the rest of this list. Uh, the nominees were uh, Warhammer 40K Dawn of War 3, which I'm uh, very interested in. Uh, Days Gone, uh, God of War, which, wait, didn't that come out a few years ago? Uh, I'm sorry. Oh, why did they keep using the same fucking titles over and over again? Brand recognition. Horizon Zero Dawn, Resident Evil 7, 
Scalebound, Sea of Thieves, Shenmue 3, Spider-Man, Star Citizen, and The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. There's several really good games, or at least good-looking yeah. games, on this list. Um, yeah, the thing is that it really comes down to how they play, and the thing is, we don't know that. Yeah, the only one of the games on these lists that we know anything about how it works is Star Citizen. Yeah, uh, uh, ironically enough, huh? Yeah. But, I mean, out of all the games on the list, I'm definitely the most excited for Mass Effect Andromeda. Um, as long as it reviews well and doesn't have any major problems, that'll be a game that I pick up brand new. You know, I only get one or two, maybe well, three of those a well, year. Let's, well, let's put it this way. Um, the Spider-Man game, PS4 game. Fuck it. Actually, I'll probably get Mass Effect Andromeda on the Xbox because Katie likes to play the Mass Effect series. Um, uh, Legend of Zelda, uh, you know, uh, that's a Nintendo game, so I'm never going to play that. Yeah, I don't really care about the Zelda franchise very much Star anyways. Citizen, I'm interested in, but I have so many red flags with just you know, how much they promised. Yeah. And yes, I realize that's the same, th- same thing that I said about No Man's Sky, but, you know, good point about No Man's Sky, huh? Yeah. Shenmue I still can't get. Is, uh, I've never played the earlier Shenmue games, so, you know, it's uh, more of, you know, I've, I haven't played the earlier ones, so it's hard for me to get excited. I've played the earlier Shenmue games, but, I mean, they were all right. Not enough for me to be really excited for. I mean, if Shenmue 3 comes to PC, I'll probably pick it up eventually, but it's nowhere near the top of my must buy list. Yeah, Sea of Thieves, that's the. Uh heavily co-op multiplayer game isn't it yeah the one during uh, e3 where they had like the the, the, the cringeworthy sp- real players yeah all those those youtubers or whatever yeah and that game looks neat but yeah, yeah. it would be definitely a game that i'd love to play with uh, uh you guys but the thing is that it's once again a very niche game and uh it's uh, let's see Scalebound. that was the uh, dragon game that they had a bunch of heavy metal playing during. Yeah, that's for I believe it's an X. Well, I mean it would be an Xbox and Windows Store exclusive. Yeah, but yeah, well, well, they said Windows uh, uh, on uh, my quick search for it. So possible Resident Evil Seven. Don't really care. Yeah, I don't really care either. Uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. I don't recognize that name offhand. And I'm looking at it's PlayStation Four. So fuck it. God of War, PlayStation oh, Four. Oh, Horizon Zero Dawn is the the like the future apocalypse oh, game oh, with yeah, robot that, dinosaurs. Okay, okay. Looking at that now, I recognize it. I look at the screenshots once again. Yeah, once again, PlayStation Four though. Yeah, it looks so, cool, but it's a PS4 exclusive. So yeah, now. D- uh, God of War, PlayStation Four exclusive. So you know, I'm uh, I'm breath of any choice here. So it's uh, either Mass Effect, which I don't really care about. Days Gone, which I'm pretty sure is PlayStation 4 exclusive as well. Uh, yeah, that's that weird yeah, zombie this is a, game. Uh, come on! <laughs> <laughs> this is like the PlayStation 4 console list. So I have a choice between Star Citizen, which I have red flags about. Shenmue 3, maybe. See at these, which I don't really care about. Uh, I gotta give it to Warhammer 40k Dawn of War 3. Just because, you know, it's... <laughs> my only choice that's fair but i mean this category is a hundred percent personal what are you yeah. excited for this this or this well all right well it's more uh well oh fuck that's console console two consoles console uh that may uh actually release in uh march yeah 
So yeah, that's. Oh. Did so. you know? Did you know? Sorry, this is a little bit of a sidetrack, but did you know that Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild, launch title, launch title, launch title, no longer a launch title for the Switch. It's been so replaced it's, uh, by a, a, a Mario game. <laughs> so they've confirmed that it's not going to be a launch title. I hadn't seen that. Yeah, they confirmed. Um, I didn't pull it up as a news story this week because honestly, I forgot about it. That's how little I care. But <laughs> now that that's come up, I, I remember seeing that this week. They're, a lot of people are mad because they withheld Breath of the Wild supposedly yeah, to make they, it a launch title. Yeah, they've been holding on to this. So uh, as a matter of fact, uh, the, the Wii U is no longer being produced now, or is a uh, CC production. I can't remember which it is. So, yeah, uh, Nintendo is doubling down on the Switch actually doing something. Yeah. I mean, on the one hand, I'm proud of Nintendo for not releasing a game if they don't feel like it's ready. But on the other hand, it's like, dude, come on. So, I just, I just had to, had to get that out there. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely hilarious. Uh, and the fact that, you know, replacing it with a Mario game, Mario is going to be a launch title no matter what. Yeah. Uh, the, the Switch really is going to need Zelda. It needs a, a heavy hitter. Yes, I realize Mario is still a heavy hitter these days. But, you know, you need something a little deeper. Need some and Zelda and some Pokemans. It, yeah, and honestly, Zelda, uh, what I've seen preview-wise, which they've done a lot of preview for that game. Yeah. It looks like it would be a system seller if they could actually release the fucking game. Yeah. So, uh, speaking of system sellers, let's go to Game of the Year. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Kyle's going to be really excited because the winner was Dark Souls 3. And the nominees were Deus Ex Mankind Divided, Doom, Fallout 4. Wait for you to object. <laughs> I object. Uh, Hitman, Inside, No Man's Sky. <laughs> I object. I just cackle. <laughs> the fact that they they actually kept No Man's Sky on this list. Yeah. Or, or the, the, the really funny ones further down. Pro Evolution Soccer 2017. Pokemon Go, because that was a fucking game. <laughs> oh, then you might be mad at me for what I think the game of the year should be. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, we're going to have to agree to disagree then, I guess. Yeah. Rise of the Tomb Raider, The Witness, T- uh, Total War Warhammer, which, uh, Total Warhammer, Uncharted 4 at Thief's End, and uh, XCOM 2. Yeah. So, first of all, I'm glad to see that Overwatch did not win. I don't mean that maliciously, but <laughs> it's just like Overwatch has been just such a huge game this year that's kind of dominated a lot of the kind of the new yeah. space. And it's not that it's a bad game, but I feel like there are many other... And also your porn habits. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like there are many other games out there that are just as good, if not better, than Overwatch. And for my own personal feelings, I don't feel like Dark Souls 3 is, but I also acknowledge that the Dark Souls series is, are really good games that just don't appeal to me. So, I could see Dark Souls 3 as a fair contender. But yeah, Here, I'm not sure what I would honestly pick. Well, just for one, that you know, a lot of these games are on my to-do list at some point. Yeah. Well, personally, I don't feel like Fallout 4, not only because it came out last year, but also Fallout 4 was not 
Yeah. I mean, it was uh, a, it was a good game, but it was not a great game. Not game of the year material game. It's uh really gone the path of how Bethesda has gone in general, where they've gone more quantity over quality. Yeah. Plus, Fallout Four is really showing the age of its engine. If the next- Skyrim was showing the age of the engine, that's very true. But Fallout Four is even oh, worse. I just wait till next week when I tear into the engine. <laughs> <laughs> um. I would say Overwatch is a contender. Rise of the Tomb Raider, perhaps. The Witness, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Uh, Total War, if it, if they gave it, a, you know, a year of patches. Because the Total War games always release an absolute terrible state. Yeah. And I think uh, Warhammer was no exception to that rule. Uncharted 4 is a good game, but I don't think it's good enough to make this list. Hitman um, when we was get to interesting. The... It was, uh, supposedly it's a... Uh, gone back to the roots of Hitman. Yeah, but it released in that yeah, weird. It, yeah, it has that weird subscription thing, and they've just announced that they're doing a second season for it. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know. Yeah, so Supposedly, how do you, how do you uh, classify that? Well, Hitman also had has. I don't know if they ever fixed them. A lot of technical issues with people like losing yeah. save games, and it's an always online game, even for console. You can't play Hitman offline for more than wow. like 15 minutes. Like it gives you like a little grace period so that you can save and then the game shuts down. Sheesh. And I think that feature takes it off the list, period. Yeah, there's just so many games here that have issues. Yeah. Uh, and looking at this list, actually, okay, the indie games would be Pokemon Go. Uh, sort of. Pro Evolution Soccer, sort of. Yeah. Inside. Yeah, definitely inside. And, and, and that's it. Yeah. I'm not seeing anything else that would be considered indie. No, me neither. Uh, the um, Witness, maybe? What'd you say? Sorry. The Witness? Yeah, The Witness. Or, or was that, that was really backed by Microsoft, wasn't it? Uh, by Microsoft or Sony? I can't remember. I'm I remember not it was sure. big on uh, uh, being promoted uh, by uh, at E3. But yeah, The Witness would... Uh, you know, not be uh, on my short list. Okay. Um, it's just, it's sitting here trying to pick out, yeah, you know, which game had the fewest issues in general, really. I think for <laughs> with, me, with my... gear gone. Yeah. I think for me, my list would be Doom. Doom was a great game. Yeah, Do- yeah Doom is probably the, the best launch on this list. Yeah, Doom is a great game. I'll be really surprised if it doesn't make you know, people's game of the year lists. Um, I don't know if it's the best game of the year, but it is a really solid title. Yeah, I would say uh, the only uh, blemish on Doom is its multiplayer. Yeah, yeah, that kind of shoehorned feeling multiplayer. Which honestly is Deus Ex My- Mankind Divided's bi- biggest issue. Well, yeah. one of its two biggest issues. But I think that the the major problem with Deus Ex is all the publisher's fault. Because they force the developers to include... The multiplayer mode with microtransactions. Yeah, I was about to say all the microtransactions on uh, Deus Ex. And that's that's 100% confirmed. Like, devs have come out to speak out against that. And the fact that they actually disabled that for the review copies as well is just a scummy move. Yeah, and the other problem I have with Deus Ex is that it just kind of ends. Like, it feels like a game that there's another, you know, it like Deus Ex Mankind Divided feels like the first half of a game. 
and that's probably a publisher publisher decision to split up the game to make more money. Surprise, surprise. So, but I think that those two things are enough to take it off the list just because of, I mean, nothing that the devs did wrong. It's all the publisher's fault in that case, yeah. but... So yeah, for I me, would, my I would list say is... my short list would be maybe Dark Souls three. I don't have enough experience with it or the series. Uh, Overwatch, which just how crazy it's been, and there's been outside of uh, some of the uh, microtransaction things once again. Yeah, uh, no real problems with it. But then again, it's also uh, uh, we well we talked about this before. Uh, the design for all the characters uh, is really great, but then you get into the actual gameplay and it's, you know, a pretty standard uh, FPS with uh, ultimate abilities. Right. Um, um, uh, Doom would uh, also be on my short list and maybe Rise of the Tomb Raider, but you know, uh, that, that feels like I'm stretching there. Yeah. My list is, I think, Doom, uh, Overwatch, and Pokemon Go. Which only only reason why I'm not knocking with Pokemon Go is just uh, how absolutely absurd it was for about a week. Pokemon and it Go seemed like everyone forgot about it. Pokemon Go is still a phenomenon. I mean, like that massive yeah, but, surge yeah, not, that it had. Yeah, but it's not. Uh, yeah, it's it, everyone was talking about it for a week and then it just fell off. Yeah, but it's still making more money than Candy Crush and all of the other. Yeah, because major... they have the whales. That's the thing. They're still. Something like uh, that, that, ten that, or fifteen million users for Pokemon yeah, Go. It's just uh, so the mobile market is just so weird. Where it's yeah, this very very small percentage propping up all of these games. The primary reason that I'm giving it to Pokemon Go, though, I mean, all of that pheno- you know phenomenal stuff is is great and all, but I think that Pokemon Go deserves some re- some uh, some respect or some some worth or something from the fact that it basically is pioneering a new type. Of game in the ARPG style. Well, the thing is, not uh, the ARPG, sorry. Well, the... well, Pokemon Go is based on that company's previous uh, uh, technology and uh, game. It is. And, and, as a matter of fact, it's using the same exact stops. It is, but uh, what's the, the previous game? Ingress? Yeah. Is that what it's called? Ingress yeah, has that's... very little interaction to it aside from go to this place, stay there long enough to get you know yourself counted, and then leave. Pokemon Go layers on some additional gameplay elements and stuff like that and really makes it feel like a true augmented reality game. And yeah, me and you had problems with it, but lots of people really love it. And I think that they get some some massive brownie points for kind of pioneering yeah, a new like, style uh, of Pokemon game. Pokemon Go should have been more. They're, uh, that they're slowly, slowly, very slowly trying to get towards. I think that you're right, but also they're the only one. There's no other game yeah, like Pokemon true. Go. And yet. I think that, oh yeah, definitely yet, but I think that that's worth something. And so that's why I'm, you know, pretty solidly backing it. So, uh, shall we, uh, try to come up with a comment for the PlayStation game of the year? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know anything about any of these games, really. Uh, well, a few we'll, of, we'll, a couple we'll, of them. We'll but... quickly read over it and uh, pretty much skip it. Uh, Uncharted 4 1 with Abzu, uh, Aptitude. Firewatch, Gravity Rush, uh, Remastered, I'm uh, Setsuka, uh, No Man's Sky, <laughs> uh, Ratchet and Clank, uh, Salt and Sanctuary, Severed, Street Fighter V, The Last Guardian, The Wait. Witness. Hmm? The Last Guardian's not even out yet. It comes yeah, out I was about in to say, like Yeah, I was about weeks. to say, wait. Uh, well, I was going to get through the list first. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, Uncharted, The Dathed Drake Collection. So, uh, you know, Uncharted's on here twice. Yeah. And yeah, it's a good five. 
I can't really comment on uh, any of these, uh, or uh, because I've either not played them. I think that's a fucking joke that they're on the list. Not looking at you, Doom and Ska. Yeah. Or and that they're yeah, PlayStation exclusives, and I can't really comment in all. Yeah. I don't. I mean, I know a few things about some of these games, but most of them also have PC ports that I know about. Yeah, so. that's yeah. That would be why I would know a few of these. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because I would know The Witness because it's a PC game uh, also, and I would know, uh, know it from that. I would uh, know... Uh, do, uh, well, I definitely know No Man's Sky from just the clusterfuck that that's been. Yeah. Firewatch. Uh, Abzu just about looking it up recently. So, so yeah, I really can't comment on this. Yeah. I mean, Uncharted 4 is a great game. It probably is the best one on the list, so I guess let's just move on. Yeah, uh, moving on to the Nintendo game of the year. Like, I just realized something. There's no Xbox game of the year on here, is there? Isn't it the? Is it at the bottom? Uh, uh, the bottom is competitive. Oh no, there's no Xbox. Interesting. I I, I, I went down. I was like, uh, well, well. Uh, then I saw a PC. It's like, wait a minute. There's no Xbox here. That's well, that tells you how Xbox was doing. <laughs> I, I didn't even notice that uh, when I was originally reading it out. Uh, well, Nintendo Game of the Year. Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess HD, which uh, uh, won that category, which it says a lot that a remaster won this category. Yeah. Uh, the uh, nominees were Fire Emblem the Fates, Kirby Planet uh, Robobot, Legend of Zelda Triforce Heroes, uh, Monster Hunter Generations, Pokemon Tournament, which is supposedly really good, but hardly anybody's playing it anymore. Uh, Tokyo Mirage Sessions, uh, FE, or hashtag FE, or hashtag Fee, or whatever the fuck that's supposed to be. Uh, Xenoblade Chronicles X, and Yokei Watch. Or Yokai Watch. Yeah. I, again, I don't know very many of the games on this list. Um, yeah, and the fact that uh, the, the Nintendo has had a very weak year, it seems like. Xenoblade Chronicles <laughs> X, I do know a bit about that game, and Xenoblade Chronicles X was great. Yeah, that's yeah, that's basically. Uh, oh shoot! Now I'm blanking on uh, yeah, a massive fighting game uh, with Zelda characters, right? No, Xenoblade Chronicles is uh, an RPG with uh, no, 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 giant monsters and giant mechs. Oh, the Zelda game, Zelda Triforce Heroes. Uh, Triforce Heroes is a really weird three-player multiplayer Zelda uh, game. No, no. What am I thinking of? Uh, because there was a Legend of Zelda game that I guess it's coming out then. That was no. supposedly uh, supposed to be uh, just massive fighting. No, that game or came out last make, year. I guess it just didn't make the list then. It came out last year. It might have actually come out in 2014. Um, that's uh, that shows you just how much I pay attention to Nintendo these days. Yeah, uh, Legend of Zelda. What is that game called? I know what it is. I just can't think of the name of it right now. But yeah. I don't really care. <laughs> I don't really care either. Um, I think the only reason Xenoblade Chronicles X didn't win, honestly, is because it's not your typical Nintendo game. Yeah. Yeah, and it can't beat a remaster of uh, Twilight Princess, obviously. Yeah. Okay. So let's go on to a, a, a category that we can actually talk about for once. Yeah. PC Game of the Year. Uh, winner was Overwatch because we got to kiss its ass some more. Uh, nominees were uh, Sid Meier's Civilization VI, Doom, Masters of Orion, Conquer the Stars, Stardew Valley, Stellaris, Total War Warhammer, 
Undertale, World of Warships, what's that doing there still? And XCOM 2. Yeah. Also a very weak list. Um... Uh, not not as strong as I was expecting it to be, I should say. No, there were a because, ton of good games that came out this year on PC. Yeah, that yeah that just didn't make this list for some reason. Out of what's on the list, I'd probably have to say Doom. Um, uh, well, Overwatch is definitely a contender. Like I said, with just how crazy it's been. Yeah, Overwatch is definitely uh, a contender. Civ but... Six is also a, somewhat a contender, but um, the, the Civ games always need expansions. And uh, talking with Kyle. Uh, the systems are there. It's just some of them aren't as fleshed out as they should be. Yeah. Doom is definitely a contender. I would uh, give Stardew Valley somewhat of a contender, but it's you know it's still an indie game and a very niche one at that. Total War or Warhammer is you know, uh, it you know needs uh, work. Sterellis, I don't know enough about. I know it's a 4x game. And I'm just looking at screenshots of it. I recognize it, but the thing is that I don't know enough about it. Undertale, you know, was last year, and yeah, it would be a different contender, though. World of Warships, no idea why that's there. And XCOM 2 is also last year. No, XCOM 2 came out this uh, year. Or, or, or was it barely this year? It came out in, I believe, February. Oh, it came out in February. All right. So uh, XCOM 2 would be a, a contender as well. Yeah, XCOM 2 is is really good, but stacked up against some of the other things on this list, I think it feels falls short of a game of the yeah, year. Yeah, I guess Overwatch has to go for it. Yeah, I mean... It, and it's more fighting out, you know, who uh, comes in second. It's more, you know, personal taste at that point. Yeah, I think that... I honestly think that Doom gives Overwatch a real run for its money. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Doom was well, it's phenomenal. Just, well, here, well, here's the thing. Here's the thing, is that... It's really coming down to single player versus multiplayer for your FPS. That's true. It's very true. Um, so and there's been a definite leaning towards multiplayer games in this list. Yeah. Uh, just winners. Uh, Dark Souls three, uh, Overwatch, just winning category after category. So yeah, I I would say that it's definitely Overwatch's year. Just them. Uh, I hate using the term sucking up to it just because of uh, just the connotations of it. But, you know, it feels almost like they have to give it to it because Overwatch is uh, nominated. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'd agree with you on the rest of the things that you said as well. I mean, I, I agree with you on what games, you know, stand a chance for a, a nomination, you know, or a, a runner-up spot. So. Okay, so let's uh, move on to the last category, finally. <laughs> yeah, we've been doing this for a long time. Yeah, and I've been talking quite a bit, and uh, my third starting to get a little raw. Oh, the last category is competitive game of the year. Can I guess what won this? <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at it, but I mean, it's <laughs> well, Overwatch. We're talking to the listeners. Yeah, yeah, Overwatch with the uh, nominees being Call of Duty, Black Ops Three, uh, Counter Strike, Global Offensive. What the fuck is this doing on the list? <laughs> yeah, because this is several years old, isn't it? I think Dota Counter- 2 is also uh, kind of old, isn't it? Yeah, Counter-Strike or, 2 and or Counter-Strike Go and Dota 2 are both old older games. Yeah, what is the what are these doing on the list? Can you explain this? <laughs> no, I cannot. Uh, initial release for Dota 2 was 2013, unless it it had some sort of, you know, coming out of beta or early access thing going on. Let's see FIFA 17, Hearthstone Heroes of the uh, Heroes of Warcraft, uh Heroes of the Storm. 
Uh, Killer Instinct uh, season three. So yeah, uh, not definitely not the first two seasons. Uh, League of Legends. Why is this on the list? Yeah, same with Smite. Yeah, Smite is on the list as well. StarCraft Legacy of the Void, so an expansion there, which I think that came out this year. I believe it did. I think it came out towards the beginning of the year. Uh, and Street Fighter V. So... Uh, no, Legacy of the Void came out in November 2015. Oh, it did? Okay. I thought it came out this year. Well... <sighs> so it's more, you know... I guess we can't find competitive games, so we're just going to put the same ones on the list time and time again. Yeah. Honestly, I don't think Overwatch is the winner. I mean, Overwatch, if it was multiplayer game of the year, sure. Yeah. But the competitive scene for Overwatch isn't really there. Blizzard does this thing where they try to make all of their games esports games. Yeah, and, and uh, all of them fall apart except for, uh, really, <laughs> StarCraft. Yeah. And it's not that, that Overwatch doesn't have potential, it, but, but there's a lot of systems in place for other games that Overwatch doesn't have that makes it a more difficult eSport to follow. Yeah, but how are we looking at this? Are we looking at it as competitive multiplayer or competitive as an eSport? Because that's two vastly different things. That's fair, but isn't every game on this list except for FIFA and eSport? Yeah, I'm sure the uh, esports scene for uh, Here's the Storm is absolutely huge. It's got an okay esports scene, but it's again Heroes of the Storm. Yeah, I was going to make a snide comment about Killer Instinct, but yeah, you know, that's the fighting uh, uh, game scene. Yeah, and and they latch onto uh, really serious and just follow them nonstop. Yeah, so so it's more coming down to. You know, what is the uh, the eSport game of the year then with this list, just with how they handled it? And honestly, uh, it's going to come down to either League of Legends or Dota. I think Counter-Strike goes up there, too. I mean, they've had their knocks this year with the whole gambling thing, but as an eSport, Counter-Strike Go is really popular still. Yeah, but I'm just looking at the absolute uh, huge uh, beast that is both League of Legends and Dota on the uh, tournament scene. Yeah. StarCraft 2 also has been on the decline this year. Yeah. I mean, it's still got a big scene, but the, the scene is getting smaller. It's yeah, just, just you with know. how Blizzard has handled it. Yeah. And Plus, also, winds I, change, I, I, you I know. Think, and I think uh, there was some uh, distaste over some of the things that they introduced with Legacy of the Void, but I don't follow the StarCraft scene nearly enough to be able to say exactly what it, they were. Yeah. I also don't know a ton. I mean, I know the basics of esports. But I don't follow esports, so I don't feel super qualified to make a judgment call. Based on what I know, I would have to say either League of Legends or Counter-Strike Go. But honestly, you could probably argue me into a position for most games on this list. I would not at all accept Hearthstone or uh, Heroes yeah, of the Storm. Hearthstone is, just, Hearthstone is so random that you can't really make it an esport. The only way you can There's make just, it an eSport is to do banned cards lists. but And that's hardly any fun, especially since Hearthstone, even after uh, all this time, doesn't exactly have a huge card list to begin with. And they've also gone this route where they've gone a banned card list for the, well, not competitive, but for the ranking system. Yeah. And they're essentially making it where it's impossible to keep up with because they're banning Everything but the basic cards and the newest, what was it, two sets? Yeah, it's the most recent two sets. 
And so, you know, good luck keeping up. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't think Overwatch is there's an esport at least not yet. Um, yeah. But I'm, otherwise, I don't yeah, know I'm how to tell l- you who a winner would be. Yeah, I think it's going to be uh, the one of the MOBA games, personally. Yeah. And it's uh, Smite is a distant third in the MOBA market right now. It's really Dota and uh, League of Legends trading blows with Riot just, you know, seems like they just fumble every so often and just, you know, lose ground because of it. Yeah. All right. Well, that wraps up this rather, rather long <laughs> podcast topic. Um Yeah. Let's take a look at our recording time. We're at the two-hour mark, minus our little break that we did, which will cut out a couple of three minutes. Um, showing uh, one hour of 57 minutes right now. Right. So that's, yeah, that's about what I was thinking on the time. I say we try to uh, get at least the Ubisoft topic. Okay. Uh, then our next news topic is, let me pull the topics list back up. Ubisoft is saying gamers will no longer have to buy DLC for a full experience in a game. I'll believe it when I see it. Yes, I will believe it when I see it, but... Granted, Ubisoft has shown some goodwill with uh, uh, Rainbow Six Siege with uh, the starter pack and also make it so that the maps aren't locked into map packs. They're free releases, but this is one game compared to the entire backlog of how Ubisoft has been fucking people over with both their business practices and the absolutely abysmal state of their releases. Right. I did like the analogy that they made, uh, saying if you go to an amusement park, you pay an entry fee that allows you to ride all the rides as much as you want, but then if you want to spend more, you can go to the gift shop or the concession stand. And I think that that's actually a pretty decent analogy to use for this. Because it's like... Yeah, the only problem with uh, AAA gaming these days is that uh, you know, you get into the park and, you know, you have this little section, you're in the kitty section and, but to get onto the roller coaster, you have to buy the pass to go into the roller coaster area. Yeah. And then, uh, if you don't like the color of the roller coaster, you can pay a few extra dollars and they'll repaint it for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I'm a big fan of no DLC, you know, yeah, like, don't get me wrong. I like the idea of this. It's just, I've heard. A lot of promises, not just from Ubisoft, but really uh, the AAA gaming industry as a whole. And actions speak louder than words. Yeah. This right now is lip surface and one game supporting it. Yeah. Just show me the, the, your mini business. Yeah. I I mean, I, you know, I like the idea behind it as well. I don't trust them yet, but, you know. I this kind of ties in a lot with Kyle's audio letter, but it's it's very pertinent here. Yeah, companies are seeing the landscape for gaming shift, and people are becoming more and more fed up with predatory practices that these companies use. And I think Ubisoft is saying, okay, uh, maybe we can get away with microtransactions. That seems to make us a lot of money. Let's axe DLC, which has people frustrated and has become less and less accepted over the years. So I don't think they're doing this out of the goodness well, of their heart. Not just, well, it's not just DLC, but uh, selling chunks of the game, selling uh, you know, uh, levels, selling map packs, selling uh, difficulty levels. You know, just all these little chunks that 
you really need to make the game complete. Yeah. So, I think I think that's what they're doing. They're saying, okay, there's this new, you know, there's this potential wave coming. Uh, let's see if we can head it off the pass and and reduce how much uh, hot water gonna, we're going to wind up in over the next couple of years as people, as the backlash grows. Well, to borrow these another Kyle's analogy, uh, Ubisoft is trying to change the rudder and uh, steer the ship, but it is a massive ship and it requires a lot of change. They have a lot of momentum behind them with just how they've acted in the last 30 years. Ubisoft is a 30-year-old company. Yeah. And in the last, I would say, 10, uh, is just so fresh in people's mind with you know just how they've turned out game after game after game of uh, these uh, series. Uh, what was it? Uh, uh, well, I know it's Activision, but uh, Call of Duty, we only had one year missing out of the entire Call of Duty franchise. <laughs> yeah. And it's been pretty much the same with Assassin's Creed. Yeah. I think... Oh, and I'm it's t- just gotten to the point where, you know, they need to do something to change, and they're seeing, okay... Let's take a look and see what people are complaining about and what we could change and still make money. Yeah. I'm tempted to save this discussion for when we play Kyle's audio letter, but it's really fresh on my mind. I feel like each of these companies are trying to do that in different ways. Um, in Kyle's audio letter that we'll hear here shortly, he makes reference to uh, Activision releasing Titanfall 2 and Battlefield 1 really yeah. close together. I thought I thought Activision was the overall. No, you're right. You're right. EA. I'm sorry. <laughs> you're right. My apologies. They um, were trying to beat Activision to Call of Duty. Right. They were trying to basically suck up the entire market for that, and that's a, a strategy to try and deal with some of this. I think you know they're doubling down on their predatory business practices, trying to beat other companies. Yeah, up. Ubisoft, Ubisoft is trying to change. Uh, EA is trying to uh, double down. Activision is sitting there cross-eyed trying to figure out what the hell else to do. Yeah. I mean, a lot of these companies are kind of going their own ways with trying to handle it. It's tough to say with Activision because Activision is huge. Yeah, Nintendo uh, bringing other uh, major companies in is trying to merge their uh, handheld and their uh, home consoles into one uh, thing and hoping that works. Yeah. I mean, Nintendo's Uh, going all in on the Switch. If the Switch fails... I mean, Nintendo can probably hang on for a while, but if Nintendo the Switch will, is a big flop, we might see them go the way of, like, Atari or um, Sega? Sega, you know, where they become more of a publisher instead of a hardware developer, which that would uh, be a tragedy for the industry in a number yeah, of ways, be, but... That'd be a... I, I almost want to see it happen just to see what happens, you know? <laughs> yeah. Because it, I would love to be able to have a chance to play... Uh, well, a Legend of Zelda game on PC without having to deal with emulators. Yeah, in some ways it would be a good thing, but in, I think in more ways it would be a negative thing because we're, we're taking competition out of an already... Yeah, it would uh, go from uh, uh, the big two with the little one and PC to the big two and PC. Yeah. I mean, PC is its own animal, but it doesn't compete yeah. in that same space. And PC certainly has its own innovations, but... Most of yeah, the innovation that it, drives the industry happens on the console side of things. 
Well, that's where we uh, kind of lost with the uh, Steam machine is that it tried to compete with that space, but they never advertised to that space. Yeah. Um, what are other companies doing? Microsoft is trying to create its Microsoft own... is trying to consolidate uh, its console with uh, Windows and have their own little playground, and that is absolutely broken. You know, the swings that are hanging from one chain, <laughs> uh, the the seesaw is, you know, just this V, and both seats are down. <laughs> the slot is just flat on yeah. the ground. Sony, being the industry leader that it is right now, is doesn't it's busy really shooting themselves much. in the foot. Yeah, they're just keeping on, keeping on with what they're doing, which is what well, they're industry leaders the tend to do. With the uh, the PS Pro and uh, just really letting Microsoft catch up on a lot of things. Yeah. Um, Valve is making uh, market money off a, a bunch of Steam training cards. Valve is being Valve. <laughs> They've got fuck you money. Uh, Blizzard is trying to make everything into eSport. Yeah, plus they're. I wonder what they're doing. They're going to do with it's, WoW. Yeah, I was about to say it's going to be interesting to see what happens after this expansion because this has been their emergency d- uh, design document. Yeah, I, I want to see Warcraft Four, but the problem is that the lore for World of War, sorry for Warcraft, is just such a convoluted mess because of how they had to handle it with WoW. Yeah, that they either need to do one or two things: uh, say that you know alternate uh, timeline, like they're doing with their current expansion where the events of uh, World of Warcraft just either didn't happen or happened in a way that allowed the lore to continue on and make somewhat sense. Uh, completely ignore WoW, which you know, is kind of the same thing, or try to integrate World of Warcraft into Warcraft 4, which good luck with that because that is, what, that's 10 years of lore changes. Yeah. Active lore changes. We Is there any major villains that haven't been killed in WoW? <laughs> I don't know. I don't. Well, well, let's think about it. Arthas dead. Illidan dead. Uh, brought back, and isn't he supposed to be some sort of uh, anti-hero now? No, I think he's dead again. I or, think that, like, as I haven't been following the newest expansion that closely. I think with the Legion lore, like he was dead, and then they brought him back only to kill him again. I'm pretty sure he's dead again. So, so Illidan's been double tapped. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Deathwing dead. Yep. Uh, the old gods, which doesn't really factor into uh, Warcraft uh, RTS. Uh, uh, one, uh, sorry, no, three dead. That I could think of just off the top of my head. Out of was it supposed to be five? Um. So yeah, they're yeah. I think they so. vastly ran out of villains. Uh, the uh, unless they uh, start doing the whole. Uh, people have been corrupted. I know Jaina has been uh, sort of turned into almost an anti-hero, uh, just breaking away from this, uh, trying to bring the Horde and the Alliance together, so there's a possibility there. But, you know, it's the whole thing where Warcraft's uh, heroes get corrupted by some uh, evil force and uh, turn into a villain has been done so many times that, you know, it's uh, laughable. Yeah. Thrall is still Jesus to the uh, storytellers, it seems. And he's gone off to raise baby Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Good old Thrall. What are, how many other like major companies are there left? 
I'm sure that there's some, and I'm just blanking on them. I mean, there's a lot of big companies I can think of, but they don't have the same sort sort of market yeah, share it's that more, we just listed. Yeah, it's more just yeah the major major players. I think Bethesda. Bethesda's been rising. Yeah, Bethesda's been uh, going blandy, bland, bland, bland. Yeah, right, with their uh, latest games, appealing to the lowest common denominator. Although they've also got their and own set remastering of their stuff. Yeah. They've also got their own set of predatory practices going with their whole no review copies thing. Uh, do you want to get me started again? No, I don't want to dive into that again. But <laughs> I don't. I don't know what to think about Bethesda right now. They're a little bit of a wild card for me, which sucks because I love Bethesda. I, you know, I said it before. They were like one of the good ones in my book until here recently. So. You know, and they're kind of cordoning off their uh, mods onto their own little platform as well. Yeah, which is dangerous because yeah, Bethesda's tried to monetize mods before. Yeah, I think that's something a lot of game devs are doing. We had this for a while. We had this sort of everything is in one place, and we can all get it. And that place was st- uh, was Steam, and yeah, now now everyone's cordoning off and trying to. Uh, figure out a way to make a buck. Yep. Where you need uh, yeah twenty different logins. Yep. I'm not doing that. Origin's probably going to be the only one who gets any of my money because of Mass Effect. Uh, I haven't even bought a game on Origin. Oh, I've never bought uh, a game on Origin either. I've got a couple of the freebies. But... I've technically bought one on uh, UPlay just because I got a code from Newegg. Yep, haven't bought anything on UPlay either. Just a couple of freebies. And then my games that have showed up there that I purchased on Steam, but that's whatever. Yeah, I'm just looking at the top sellers right now, seeing if there's anyone that we're missing, and I'm not really seeing anyone. Right. So, yeah, uh, I think we've uh, pretty much covered the major players, at least. Yeah, and we also went from... Rockstar. Rockstar. Right. Would Rockstar count? Yeah, Rockstar's a huge developer. And they do publish a few different things, but Rockstar's honestly always just kind of done whatever it wants to. Yeah, it's been uh, very playing in the background, and uh, they're uh, busy cranking out uh, all the content for GTA uh, Online and uh, working to try to get all the uh, shark cards in the world. Yeah, I (laughs) mean... uh, That that also feels so predatory just because of how they've set up uh, GTA Online, where it's such a grind unless you... Uh, you know, give us five bucks and uh, we'll unlock this for you. Yeah. Rockstar is the rock star of the gaming industry. It just kind of does whatever it wants and tells anybody who gets in its way to get the fuck out. Yeah, and people just put up with it. Yeah. Uh, and the thing is that they also, they're, they pretty much ignore the PC market until they've uh, gotten as much as they can out of consoles. And then they release their uh, games a couple years later. That's what happened with GTA. We never saw Red Dead Redemption, so uh, we'll, we'll, we may see the next Red Dead uh, just because of how much of a fervor there was for the lack of uh, that, of the previous game. But they are also talking about doing something uh, with uh, multiplayer with that game, which you know I'm expected to see coyote cards now. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Instead of cards, it'd be animal skins. Because that was a huge part of Red Dead was skinning animals to get crafting materials. You get animal packs. Uh, gi- uh, give us uh, five bucks and you get an eagle feather. 
ponchos. I would pay a lot of money for ponchos. I'm a sucker for that sort of thing. Kind of like Team Fortress hats, only better because they're ponchos. <laughs> okay, uh, so now that we've covered that topic and basically had our post-Kyle's letter discussion, do you want to go to yeah. Community Corner and actually play that letter now? Yeah, I guess so, and that ties directly into the question of the week, so I'll go ahead and say what that is and give the tweet there as well. Okay. Uh, uh, the question of the week was, do you think the AAA gaming industry is approaching a tipping point that the bubble is about to burst? And Chemist also chimed in, saying, keep upping the dev costs, expecting uh, huge sales, but can't uh, compensate because the industry's uh, soft uh, $60 game limit. Something has to change. Right. Okay, well, let's play Kyle's letter, and then we can have our discussion about the question of the week. Because Kyle said a few <laughs> things that I thought were interesting and, and hadn't yeah. considered before. So, here's Kyle. Greetings, J. Arthur and Caffeine Rage. This is Kyle coming at you about, well, the gaming bubble that never was. The question of the week this week is whether we think that the AAA video games bubble is going to burst. Now, while I am not saying that there's not an actual bubble, there is. It's just not a bubble in the traditional sense. See, a bubble usually refers to something where an industry has adopted a bunch of really terrible practices and has basically created a system in which when the system fails, uh, there will be really either two choices. One, to ensure that the companies don't fail by financially bailing them out, like what happened in 2008 with the home mortgage crisis, or let the company go down and hang them for their crimes, essentially what happened in 2001 with Enron. Now, I can hear you thinking pretty loudly. Now, hold on a second. The AAA gaming industry has adopted a bunch of terrible practices, and they're now starting to see a downturn in sales because of it. The number of games that are released are up. Quality is either flat or down in most series, and we're getting yearly sequels of installments for things that nobody even wants anymore. So how is this not a bubble? Now, in most bubbles, it all comes down to market share. For example, Enron was huge, which is why it took a lot of the stock market down with it. Why was it so big? Well, it was seeking to provide kind of competition to the AEP monopoly on the American power system. And yes, I understand that is a gross oversimplification of what their goals were, but if you want to know more, just go look it up. And with the 2008 financial crisis, while it wasn't all banks universally issuing these really, really high-risk loans, it was the bigger banks, and they were giving marching orders to their branch banks in order to make the most profit out of these things, bundle them up, and give them to Wall Street. Now, in both cases, these were companies that were big enough that their failure would not only affect uh, their stock and their uh, derivatives, but it would also affect other stocks because it would lead to a collapse in consumer confidence. Now, there's three major reasons why this wouldn't cause the same amount of panic on Wall Street, but let's start off with the most depressing one. Video games aren't really considered tradable commodities, and especially the uh, publishers like EA and Ubisoft. While they have a decent stock price and their stock has been on the rise recently, that's mostly because most Wall Street bankers don't really understand what EA or Ubisoft does. Now, I understand that there's an exception to every rule, and there may be some Wall Street guys who are making a profit off of all this. 
as there are with anything. But more importantly, the lay public doesn't really care too much if the EA stock goes up, down, or sideways. Number two, EA and Ubisoft aren't traditional companies in that they don't produce goods that have scarcity. Yes, I understand that there are physical discs occasionally associated with these games, but by and large, they're dealing with code, and code can be distributed basically ad infinitum without decay. So what this means is there's not really a stockpile of anything that they could deplete if they went under. Yes, a few games would get taken off of uh, Steam, and a lot of games would get taken off of Origin, and all of the games would be taken off of Uplay. But the fact of the matter is, because they're not dealing with a physical good, it is still possible to hold on to these commodities once they become abandoned where, or somebody cracks the code and puts it up on the internet. Which brings me to my third point, EA and Ubisoft, and I know I've been using these guys, but just put them in the place of any AAA developer, are not the entire video game industry. You still have development studios that are making games either independently or large studios working on games that are a little bit more niche. Think like uh, Stardock Entertainment, who makes the Sins of a Solar Empire series and the Galactic Civilization series. Now, while they have a very niche audience, the audience is big enough that they can make a profit off of these games. What does this have to do with the bubble? Well... Even if the AAA development studios were to implode tomorrow, the entire gaming industry would not be destroyed by all of this. So what's likely going to happen? Well, I can't say for any certainty. I mean, it really depends on the level of bullshit that console people are willing to put up with. Oh shit, the gauntlet just got thrown down. And what you have to understand is at the end of the day, PC gamers have an absolute cornucopia of games to choose from. If they don't like the latest AAA title, they can always go check out a smaller studio's effort. And also, they have access to genres that are not serviced on console very much. For example, turn-based strategy, visual novels, real-time strategy. Well, okay, hold on. That last one actually has dropped off in recent years. That's maybe not a good example. But, fact of the matter is, because of what I I talked about in a previous audio letter about game console licensing and publishing and how all of that mess works. It's much more likely that you're going to be losing the console people if a AAA studio imploded. Now, that would be a huge problem for console manufacturers to suddenly have a massive hole in their lineup where AAA games used to go. However, this isn't necessarily a bad thing. It would cause a corporate diversity within the console's release cycle. And by that, what I mean is the console developers would have to go out and try to find actual game developers to develop for their console, which would cause new ideas to flourish on the console where previously there had just been the AAA space. So am I advocating to just let these companies shoot themselves in the foot until they bleed to death? Well, yeah, kind of, I am. See, in Smithian economics, it's basically said that superior products will sell over inferior products if properly uh, marketed and there's a demand and a supply to fill them. Now, as I said earlier in this letter, video games don't actually have a physical supply to speak of, so it's really just based on demand, which is kind of dangerous in its own right, but that is an audio letter for a whole other time. 
So basically what I'm advocating is let them learn or let them burn. And by that what I mean is if a AAA development studio can learn from their mistakes and capitalize on current market trends, they should be allowed to stay around and make money, and Smithian Economics backs this up. However, if a studio loads their games with really shitty practices like overemphasizing DLC, microtransactions, releasing buggy games, releasing incomplete stories, locking away crucial plot characters behind essentially a pre-order bonus, well, those companies can basically go and burn in company hell. So what do I think will happen in the immediate future? Well, okay, those of you who know me know I play a lot of chess, and I tend to think three or four moves ahead. So let's pick a AAA company almost at random. Let's call them, oh, I don't know, EA. Now, EA is an interesting case because they hoover up smaller studios, have them develop for them for a time, implement their own really shitty practices into them, and then hang the studios for EA's ideas. Now, more and more gamers are starting to realize that this is the pattern with EA. So, give it a few years, and EA is probably going to notice a noticeable drop in sales. Now, from there, they have two options. Either produce more games quickly and see an overall reduction in quality, or take a step back and produce fewer games that have a higher caliber of quality and a much more player-friendly focus to them. Now, given the recent drop-off of sales since Battlefield 3 of that series, it looks like EA is actually going to pick the first option and double down on their bullshit. Because when they released Battlefield 1, which, by the way, from what I've heard, is a pretty decent game, they also released Titanfall 2 in very close proximity to that. Now, I don't think that that was a mistake. I think that that was an effort to capture all of the market of the gamers. Those who wanted their futuristic military shooter in order to compete with Call of Duty, and those who are basically interested in a historical war, that is World War I, in Battlefield One. So when this ultimately blows up in their face, which it is currently in the middle of doing, what we can expect to see is either introspection, a step back, and thoughtfulness on the part of EA leadership, which, by the way, probably isn't going to happen simply because most of the corporate higher-ups are from physical goods and have very, very little experience in digital goods. Or we're going to see an absolute fractal splintering of every single one of their properties that they have a license to. They are going to throw everything at the wall to see what sticks without realizing that that is both expensive and a very great way to alienate your customer base. I'm not actively cheering on the complete implosion of these companies. That has several, several horrible implications, specifically at the personal level where a lot of people would lose their jobs. I am really pushing for change, whether that comes from introspection or implosion. And there are three major points that I think that the AAA development studios could basically use to avert crisis. Number one, guys, real talk, you release way too many games a year. If you just released, you know, like four to six games a year and had your teams focus on them, put more company resources to them, and made sure that they weren't buggy messes, they would be much more well-received in the general public. And that's not talking about, like, reviews. I'm talking about actual player numbers who buy your game. Speaking of purchasing, 
Also, create a range of prices. Not every game has to be $60. And I'm not talking about creating a more upper range where, say, EA starts charging, I don't know, $80 for their games because they think that they're better. I'm talking about creating diversity in the marketplace. That way, gamers can have a lower bar to entry. Not to mention, a lower-priced game is going to move more units and make up some of that difference. Again, see Smithian Economics. And number three, take more creative risk with your games. People don't generally know what they want until they have it. I'm reminded of actually a study done by Prego in the 80s when they asked an economist to help them design the perfect pasta sauce. And what he came back with was, there is no perfect pasta sauce. And you can't just ask people what they want because they will only tell you what they know. In this case, he found out that about a third of the population liked the regular Prego. A third of them liked Chunky with a little bit more tomatoes, but a third of them liked a zesty pasta sauce, which nobody was making at the time. So Prego went ahead and put a zesty pasta sauce into production, and they managed to corner the market for years. Now, the video game equivalent of this would be maybe starting a new IP, maybe exploring new mechanics within an established genre. The possibilities are quite literally endless. So I went way more in-depth than I probably needed to with this, but I'm hoping that this spurs on a wonderful conversation between you two and in the VGL community proper. Anyways, it is getting a bit late here, and I should probably go figure out why my server issues are causing Ghost Shark to be kicked out. Sorry, buddy. Anyways, I will talk to you all next time. And that was Kyle with his no, well, novel? Novella. Novella, yeah. There you go. Radio podcast novella. Um, <laughs> well, there's been a few of those. Yeah. So we've already had the discussion about. Uh, I, I do think Kyle got a little hung up on my terminology with this because he went into saying that there was never a bubble, but then uh, goes in to really support what we were saying in the first place. Right. So I do think he uh, kind of uh, lost sight of the uh, forest for the trees. <laughs> and we, uh, at least an, in the beginning, he had an issue with semantics. Yeah. Um, which, yeah. Uh, which, if you're going to have a problem with semantics, you're listening to the Robin Podcast. <laughs> yeah. Fair play. Um, so, the part that I found the most interesting that we haven't already talked about or covered um, was how he described the industry of it's like, well, it, it does have a bubble, but there's all this, um, there's all of these other entities within it that aren't AAA. And yeah, which. We, uh, which, which, that's part of what I was talking about, that Kyle lost uh, the kind of the point. We were talking specifically about the AAAs, not that the indies would survive, that it wouldn't really impact uh, PC players as much be- as console players because we have a more diverse gaming library. Yeah. Um, and I hadn't really thought about it, and, and us talking about all, or at least most, of the really big developers and publishers made me think, like, even yeah, if would they screw over console players. Yeah, even if they all disappeared overnight on PC, they make up uh, I this is just a guess, but I'm going to guess that AAA developers only make up around 15% of the games market on PC. We have PC is the only place that really where AA developers still exist and then the massive amount of The indie only games. one that would really hurt right now would be Valve just because of Steam. Yeah. But even looking at uh, uh, top sellers on Steam right this moment, Planet Coaster is the top seller. 
Isn't that in, in is that a double A game or an indie game? I would I would call that a double A. I mean it's uh Frontier Development, so that's uh okay. Elite Dangerous. Right. Right. And I mean Frontier I I would consider them a double A level developer. So I didn't realize Frontier made Planet Coaster. <laughs> yeah, I had to actually go check uh double check that then. Uh, next up would be uh, Sid Meier's Civilization Six. So Firaxis. Yeah, and Firaxis, I would I would consider a, a double A as well. Mm-hmm. They might be a little bit closer to a triple A than Frontier Studios, but they're still not. They're not, yeah, you know, th- one of the the big big boys. And third up is Dishonored, which is Bethesda, right? Which, uh, but uh, Dishonored Two, I don't know why people are buying it right now because it has some severe performance issues. <laughs> Yeah. Oh. So two two out of the three top games are not a triple A game, which honestly yeah, I'm kind or, of surprised that even one of them is up there. Yeah. Which if we even go to the Steam stats, uh, current uh, players: Dota Two, uh, Counter Strike, Global Offensive, Team Fortress Two, Warframe, uh, Civilization Six, uh, GTA Five, uh, Civilization Five. <laughs> so we have two Civilization games right there. Yeah. Ark Survival Evolved, Gary's Mod, uh, Skyrim, Rocket League, Skyrim Special Edition, then Terraria. <laughs> <laughs> Go Terraria. Uh, Rust, Fallout 4, and uh, let's wrap it up with Football Manager 2017. So it sounds like we've got a whole bunch of indie and double-A games and Bethesda in the yeah. top lineup. And Valve, of course, but th- this is Valve's play uh, playground, so. Yeah. I'm just looking around the list. Paladins is right at the cutoff where I was. Uh, Elder Scrolls Online is right there, is a little further down. Yeah, they uh, had that Ubisoft big sale is, last week. Yeah, yeah. Ubisoft is a bit further down with Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege, but that's hardly uh, counting because, uh, yeah, that would be more of a Uplay title. Yeah. Uh, H1Z1, uh, King of the Kill, uh, still has 10,000 players. So, yeah, it's a huge, huge mix on PC. Yeah. And also, PC is uh, really... Well, I can't say that it, they don't throw out uh, the past games because, you know, you, things do eventually break. But it's not on a five-year cycle where, you know, all the previous games are no longer work on your current hardware. Right. You know, they don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. You know, uh, me upgrading my video card. Did not make it so that my entire Steam library didn't work and I had to buy it all over again. Unless they did the uh, HD remaster and I had to pay <laughs> 60 bucks for it. Yeah. Another thing that I really agree with is uh, I think we need a price a price continuum. Um, I hate that $60 is the default price for new games and even yeah, a lot of actually... AA and indie developers still stay pretty close to that. But yeah, the uh, the fact that Shadow Warrior Two was a forty dollar game on launch was absolutely huge news. Yeah, yeah. So I do agree with Kyle that there needs to be a sliding scale, and it needs to go at sixty, maybe sixty five being the top, and uh, have it be acceptable to be a you know a thirty dollar game on launch. Yeah, yeah. You know, that isn't an indie title. Yeah, honestly, I would be okay with the scale going even farther up for standard releases. 
well, that doesn't that, mean uh, that, uh, that really ties into more of the full price after you start factoring in DLC or season passes and that sort of thing. Well, I mean, I'm not even including because that. Because if you like, consider that, then yeah, Fallout uh, Four would be what a hundred dollar game. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just thinking like games like that, which have the possibility for many dozens, hundreds of hours of gameplay right out of the box. Like, I would be okay with paying more than sixty bucks for those games. Um, but I, I think that we couldn't really do that because the, uh, it would be abused. I mean, yeah. I, I, that's what's happened here is that $60 kind of became the standard and a lot of game devs, I feel like abuse that and don't produce Hello $60 games. games. Oh, sorry. <clears throat> among others, there. among others. Yes. <laughs> but Halo games is definitely the most recent offender. Yeah. So, but I mean, there are plenty of games that that I buy that are, you know, $5 games. It's like, wow, this is a $5 game. That's amazing. I'll, I'll buy that. $20 games, you know, $30 games. Um, myself, I, t- I, well, I typically wait for sales and just pick things up in the 5 to $10 range. Yeah. I mean, Transport Fever. But then again, I also have an absolute huge backlog. Yeah. And also uh, get uh, games uh, as review copies. Yeah. And that kind of feeds up the more recent games, but that's also indie titles, which... Uh, start to fall into the you know the five to thirty dollar category yeah well i mean transport fever i believe is like 35 bucks if you buy it brand new and you don't get the uh the discount for uh, the loyalty discount for owning train fever mm-hmm. and i mean i think that's a really appropriate price for that game i feel like 60 dollars. i don't feel like it's a 60 dollar game um and that's not like to rag on the quality of the game it's just like it only does this one thing but and it does it well but it does it well Sort of like how I did with uh, RimWorld. That's a $30 game, and I bought it uh, as soon as it went on early access. Yeah. So, I, I mean, there does exist. Matter of fact, I'm just looking at my purchase history, and that is the last game I bought at full price was RimWorld. Yeah. So, I, I mean, there does exist um, room for games to cost less and more than $60, but... Particularly with the digital environment. I mean, you, when you buy games digitally, you automatically take around $15 off of the cost of the game because it's no, there's no longer manufacturing or transport costs involved and there's no percentages. Well, I suppose there would well, still there, be percentages. Well, there's paid, the, the, but... there's, there's the uh, cut for Valve, uh, assuming you're still on Steam and not on your own platform, which is why a lot of these game or major game developers are looking at doing their own platform. Yeah, I did almost or, say pla- no. Oh, sorry, platforms. Yeah, I did say platformer. almost no yeah. cut going to a retailer, but there's there is still that. Uh, yeah, there's still the cut going to Valve. There, uh, unless you're going, you know, Ubisoft on UPlay, uh, EA on uh, Origin, or Microsoft uh, and their shitty little Windows 10 store. Yeah, if you can find anything among all the uh, mobile ports. But I, I mean, there are still, you know, you're still cutting 10 to 15 percent off the cost of the game, which is at the current standard. That's between uh, you know, five and ten bucks. So, mm-hmm. I think there's room for more, for for more of a price spectrum instead of a a price point. And yeah, it's also uh, interesting. Uh, well, bringing it all back around to uh, Ubisoft, how Ubisoft is uh, actually trying something with Rainbow Six Siege. So maybe that is the future for Ubisoft. Uh, I I want to trust Ubisoft on uh, saying that yeah you know, that they'll follow through. But yeah, 
trusting Ubisoft is a, a way to you know end up missing a kidney or something. I will say, in kind of Ubisoft's defense, their previous years have been worse than this year. And it, I don't actually, yeah, I don't know if that's they, damning with faint praise or what, but well, it's not as bad this year because they didn't release a, an Assassin's Creed game, right? Which is, I you know, we feel like that was a very smart decision by them. And they made some other smart decisions this year with this, you know, this most recent announcement and the way they handled Rainbow Six Siege being one of them. So, I mean, they've had their fair share of screw-ups for sure. The whole Watch Dogs 2 nudity thing was a mistake that they... Yeah, which uh, we didn't even cover that. By the way, they're leaving the dicks in. Yeah, they are leaving the dicks in, but they're taking the badges out. Which I think that's a mistake. They should either pull both, leave both, or at least give a more thorough explanation. This feels very much like the whole, oh, we can't do female models because it'd be too much work thing. Somebody went through a whole lot of work to model a vagina. (laughs) Now, the question is, did they use a photo of someone's vagina or did they uh, draw it themselves? Ooh, that's interesting. Probably a photo. I, I imagine it'd be time consuming to draw a vagina from scratch. I don't know, let's call God and ask him. What was it like <laughs> to draw that vagina, God? I didn't know Gaben drew vaginas. <laughs> Gaben draws all the vaginas. <laughs> and Kyle draws all the dicks. Oh yeah. Did you uh, see really did you see genital else? jousting? I have to ask. Yes, I saw that. And, okay. Uh, and I saw that it got banned in uh, Australia and New Zealand. Yeah. So, I nearly put that on the docket. <laughs> Maybe for next time. I need to play general okay. jousting. It looks like it's right up my alley. Hey, yeah, I was about to say that 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 can have your name uh, written on it anymore. Yep. Okay, uh, do you have anything else? But that's to... also going to make your kid uh, ask them serious questions. Oh god, yeah, I'll have to play that. <laughs> In the middle of the night or at the clinic. Just so I don't have to explain that to him. I could use it as a therapy tool. It would. It actually might make an interesting therapy tool when discussing <laughs> sex with people. It's like, here, play this. And that's how you could write it off. Absolutely. Tax write-off for general jousting. <laughs> I like this. I like where this is going. Okay, do you have anything else you want to say about Kyle's excellent audio letter this week? or uh, Not really. I, I do agree, you know, uh, if they want to keep shooting themselves in the foot, let them bleed. Yeah, I agree. You know. It's just, uh, I'm a little concerned about some of the companies that we may lose because they're being either too stupid or too greedy. Or both. Well, yeah, those two aren't mutually exclusive. Yep. <coughs> oh, and, uh, yeah, uh, EA trying to double down and grab the entire shooter market with two games, not going to happen. That was, I disagree with Kyle. That is a mistake. It was just foolish of them. Yeah. Yeah, but I think it's time for some tweets. All right, let's go to the tweets. Yeah, and we had, well, well, most of the tweets this week were people tweeting smoky pictures. (laughs) Did you see this? No, I missed that. Uh, First, the story was Smokey the Bear, then, uh, yeah, uh, Smokey Robertson, and uh, for some reason, uh, uh, 
we got the bandit from Smokey and the Bandit instead of Jackie Gleason. I was going to say, did anybody put anything from Smokey and the Bandit? If they didn't, I would be sad. It, yeah, but it was the bandit and not the Smokey, which, you know, I, I think someone got confused. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Smokey Sausages and, oh, uh, yeah. It, uh, looking at the Twitter feed, it's like, what the hell? <laughs> Uh, but this kind of reminds me of the old Kerbal cast. You know, everyone starts getting tagged, and you know, it, by the time it ends, you know, there's enough uh, space for like two letters. <laughs> That's kind of what I miss, really, from Kerbal cast. It's just all the tagging and uh, some of the nonsense from uh, Twitter there. I mean, which, our, now that I mentioned it, it's probably going to happen this week. <laughs> our community is growing large enough to get that all to ourselves. So, yeah, really, yeah, I'm cool with that. So let's see, uh, going on to actual tweets and not just pictures that I can't show. Uh, which, oh, by the way, chemist, you are not chemist, but Kyle, uh, you may not want to show your sausage online like that. Oh, baby, I want to <laughs> see that sausage. Oh, okay, uh, chemist, uh, he dug out his uh, six-year-old DS uh, to go on a, a professor, a professor Layton binge. Surprised at how small it was. Uh, Lower half, it was exactly the same dimensions as Moto G or G3. Yeah, the DS is not, a, or the DSi is not a huge uh, handout, is it? No, the XL. I've got a, a DSi XL from back in the day. It's pink. Uh, that thing's got a nice size screen on it, but, you know, it's the XL. It's It's not twice as big, but it's like, it's significantly larger. Kyle just used a uh, i75 today. Thought of recording something, but didn't, and I'm disappointed. <laughs> I'm sad. Yeah. Does this mean I have to start uh, uh, using another interstate for him, and make him eventually just road trip and use all the interstates in the United States? That would be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see, Ag Scott, have you reviewed uh, Transport Fever on your podcast? I'm a few uh, podcasts behind. Obviously. <laughs> and then you and him had a little discussion. Yeah. And Jim, uh, wrapping things up, cutting yourself on a PC is a hallmark of a bad case. Uh, check out uh, fractal design cases, no sharp edges. Jim, you're missing the point. Well, first of all, you have to have the blood sacrifice. But second of all, when I get myself cut on a case, nine times out of ten, it's the fucking IO shield, which has absolutely nothing to do with the case whatsoever. It's the fact that IO shields with most motherboards are these little razor fin uh, pieces of shit metal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will say I do quite like fractal design. Uh, every case that I have bought in the last few years has been a fractal design case. So he is right that those are good cases, but. Yeah, but misses the point that it's not the case I'm getting myself cut on. It's the IO shield. Yeah. And every motherboard does the same thing where it's these little very thin metal shields. Yeah. And that's the motherboard and not the case. Because it has to be the motherboard. Otherwise, you know, uh, you're going to have to cut it out yourself and I don't have a Dremel. <laughs> I do. So if you want to uh, send emails to us, you could send them over to vglpodcast at gmail.com or tweet us at vglpodcast on Twitter. Or we do have a Discord, which you'll be able to find the link on our website, videogamelogicpodcast.blogspot.com, and there's a link right there, and you can get into our Discord to contact us. Or our Steam group, which is steamcommunity.com slash groups slash VGL podcast, and 
uh, Jared is hopefully doing more with that these days. Yep. This last week, not so much was a little wacky for me, but I've been posting more regularly. Did, did I miss so. plugging anything? Because I keep forgetting the, uh, the, uh, steam group. Uh, yes, you did miss our new, but I didn't give it to you. So I'm not holding you accountable. Um, but our new, our new place, our new hosting site. Place that I'm going to have to learn how to uh, post the damn show notes over there. It's vglpodcast.podbean.com. Yeah, you're going to have to add that to the show notes. I will. Um, okay. So on to our weekly picks. And this is going to be a weird one this week just because uh, there wasn't a weekly sale. And we have the Steam Autumn Sale looming. So we are uh, doing a... Uh, well, I'm doing something different from Jared because I'm contrarian. Yeah. Uh, I suggested that we do kind of our top three or four games. Well, I originally said top three, but I couldn't just get three. I've got too many games on my wish list. Wish, wish, wish? My wish list. <laughs> so I was able to get it down to four. Um, but- and I, I did it down to five, but the thing is that I looked at the list and thought, okay, odds of me buying these games, there's one that I would uh, likely get, and the rest of them were either too new or not technically released during early access so that they wouldn't go on a deep discount that I would uh, be tempted to pick them up. So I decided to do something different and do a recommendation list instead. Right. So, I mean, I do also recommend, I think, all of the games that I want based on what I know. Oh, well, here's the thing. But... I could uh, likely recommend the games on my on my want list. But the thing is, I could definitely recommend my recommendation list. Fair play. How many games did you wind up picking? I went with five. Okay. Uh, you go first, and I'll basically just slide in between all of yours. Oh, my. Well, the first one up we've already talked a little bit about, it's RimWorld. A uh, Dwarf Fortress Light is a, the best way to describe it. It's the best one of that genre where it's a base management game where you're just essentially trying to survive. Uh, it uses uh, the uh, same art style as Prison Architect, and there's a lot of people claiming that, oh, this is just a client of Prison Architect. You're uh, not doing anything different. It's vastly different from Prison Architect. Okay, you do uh, eventually have prisoners occasionally, but still, that's uh, vastly different in that uh, you're being attacked directly. There's a lot more combat in this game, and it's also very moddable. I do a series on uh, RimWorld, and I've heavily, heavily modified my game to make it more interesting. (laughs) Right. The power of mods. Yeah, RimWorld has an absolutely insane uh, modding uh, scene behind it. Uh, to the point that there's total conversion mods out there already. There's a, a base game. And the two that I can think of just off the top of my head is there's a Cthulhu-themed one where you have to fight off Eldritch Horrors. And then there's a Mars-themed one where you're on Mars and it completely changes the game where you have to deal with oxygen. Your electrical power is a lot more important because you, know, you run out of power. Uh, life support goes down. Uh, you have to have uh, greenhouses. It's uh, and yes, there is a Martian scenario for that mod as well. <laughs> do you, as I was gonna say, do you get to grow potatoes? Yes. Nice. It's just one of those games that I could just lose myself in. And like I said, it is a Dwarf Fortress light, so there is a lot of complexity in it, but it's 
not nearly as crazy as Dwarf Fortress. It's a very accessible, but it doesn't lose its depth because of it. Right. Okay. Well, the I I just kind of rearranged these. And on I the, should say that RimWorld, I'm not expecting a huge discount on. That's the only game on my list that I'm not expecting an absolute huge discount because it's still in early access. And it's expecting... Uh, and there's also going to be a uh, pretty big uh, patch, I would say, in uh, the next month or two, uh, going to Alpha 16. So, uh, yes, I am uh, filling time for you, Jared. Oh, no, that's fine. <laughs> um, I just... Uh, uh, there's going to be a huge patch, which... Uh, is going to add a lot more to the game. So, and like I said, it is an early access game. So, you are buying uh, early in, but it is a very deep game and a very fulfilling game already, and well worth the price. Right. Okay. Well, I just went and rearranged my list actually from like top to bottom in the games that I want the most, so that I could kind of do this properly. Um, so the the number one game that I want to pick up this sale, uh, particularly if it drops like fifty percent or or more is uh, Evercron Legacy. This is sort of a sequel to Evercron Mercenary, but, I mean, they're not story-based games. They're not really connected, aside from being, you know, games that share mechanics and things like that. Um, But uh, Evercron is a game that's developed... At least the first one was developed by one dude. Uh, The whole game is like a hundred and... It's only like 100 or 200 megabytes, but it's huge. Um, and it does use procedural... The first one used procedural generation, but it was like specifically directed procedural generation. And so like the whole random stuff is very... You know, to recreate the same world every time uh, and just make the game super compressed. And Evercon Legacy is supposed to just expand on that with bigger world, more ships, a better AI, better graphics. Um, the Evercon series is rooted in hard science uh so i mean it does have like the whole sci-fi like inertial dampeners or whatever that you can use if you don't want to have to deal with it but if you turn those off you have to deal with uh real orbits and real physics and and things like that um so it, it can get incredibly complicated but it's also stupid fun uh to have you know space fights having to deal with real physics and things like that um and that also means you basically can accelerate to infinity. Uh, but then that results in huge... And beyond. And beyond. But those results in huge crashes whenever you slam into something at, you know, 100 kilometers a second or more. But um, if you... I think the best way to describe this game is if if you really wanted to like No Man's Sky, this game delivers on those promises, except for in, like, universe size. But, I mean, you can do anything there's different ship types for for trading mining fighting uh you start with like little fighters but you can get larger and larger ships you can i mean there's no specific story to it so you basically just have to kind of go in and make your own adventure but there's just diplomacy and warring factions and things like that you can get really involved and do all kinds of stuff so i loved the first one i played it for i don't know a million billion hours not that many but a few hundred. Um, I own it on Steam, but I actually bought it from the guy back when he just had like a little website that was like, hey, check out my game. Here's a demo. Uh, if you like it, it's like 20 bucks. And I loved it. So um, 
I've been looking forward to this game for a while. It released at the beginning of the year, but it, and you know the price has kind of come down a little bit over time. But there just have been so many games. I was like, well, I'll pick that up when it goes on sale eventually, and I'm hoping that this is the sale. So that's one for me. All right, so I'm up next with some Wang Shadow Warrior. <laughs> Wang. Uh, this is a game that goes on deep, deep discount very often. So uh, this is one that I could highly recommend as well because it is a lot of fun. It is a single player focused first person shooter with a bit of nods to the old style of uh, FPS where you're going around the level and uh, having a lot of uh, crossing uh, paths that you uh, are crossing across bridges, you know, uh, over areas that you uh, crossed before. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't have the uh, uh, huge sprawling levels. It's very linear, but it is a lot of fun. Does melee combat really well and has a, a lot of really good humor. I will say it, the humor is a lot more vulgar because, well, let's put it this way: the main uh, the the protagonist his name is Lo Wang. Yeah. And yes, he is very aware of his uh, name and owns it. <laughs> And the opening sequence is him a scream uh, singing along with "I've got the touch." <laughs> <laughs> that just sets the entire tone of the game. And I will say that it does have a great bromance with another character uh, that pops up from time to time uh, during your story. And it's uh, has a lot deeper story than I was really expecting when I was going into it. It's a lot of fun, though. And while I was originally playing it, they actually did a full update to bring it up to DX11 sta uh, standards. So it also performs really, really well. Uh, trying to think of anything else major to really talk about. It, a lot of weapons, a lot of choices with your weapons, uh, uh, upgrades. Uh, you could just go in and start hacking away on most enemies. There are some major bosses that you really have to use uh, your guns with, but it's more the exception than the rule. Right. Uh, very satisfying melee combat, though. Uh, I will say that probably a downside is that you know, the lines do get repetitive, but that's more of you know, just, you know, that's more of really any character that, that, that talks a lot. Right. Uh, and also a lot of neat Easter eggs, you know, going to a level and uh, finding behind a waterfall uh, a, a part of the level that looks like the uh, uh, 1990s version of Shadow Warrior. Uh, Doom did uh, something similar to it. You know, where you go in and it's all low poly. Yeah. And uh, low uh, texture resolution. It does that. Nice. And typically Shadow Warrior drops down to the $3 range. It is very, very worth it. Uh, unless you can't stand, uh, you know, uh, rather dirty humor. Oh, I love dirty humor. I mean, let's put it this way. If you can't stand uh, dirty humor, what are, what the fuck are you doing listening to this podcast? <laughs> Fair play. All right. Well, my second game, the one that I want the second most, is uh, one that will probably surprise you. It is an isometric CRPG by the name of Tyranny. What, has, uh, what sells me so much on this game is the story premise. You're in a world where the bad guys won... And you are one of the overlords, the new evil overlord. You're one of his like top generals or commanders at the beginning of the story. 
And I just love the concept of getting to role play an actual bad guy in an RPG. Yeah, typically when you play a bad guy, you're, you know, the Diet Coke of evil. Yeah. But this time... I I, I remember in uh, Overlord, you were playing the bad guy, but you you were still helping out people. It it felt like you were bad in just name only, really. Yeah. Well, that's before, you know, up to the point that I was able to play it because... I very quickly started getting motion sick just from uh, how they handled the camera and was able to play too long of Overlord. Yeah. But no, this time you, you are full on the bad guy. Uh, everything that I've heard about the game, I've tried to avoid a lot of knowledge about the game outside of the initial like, oh wow, that actually sounds like it might be up my alley. Um, but, you know, you get to choose kind of the different ways you want to be a bad guy. But, I mean, they very much allow you to torture people and murder and all kinds of stuff that, you know, in other games would be like, no, you can't do that. That's, that's not good. So I just, I, I really want to actually role play a certain type of bad guy. And, uh, so I'm looking forward to this game. The only problem is, is that it came out this month. So I don't see it getting a big discount in this sale. Maybe not even the Christmas sale, but. Yeah, that's why I didn't want to do the uh, or my once list in general is that I'm not going to see a lot of discounts. Yeah, that that was kind of why I picked four instead of three because the other games on my list are already either inexpensive or old enough to receive you know a, a decent enough discount. But Tyranny came out like two weeks ago, so. But I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'll get it eventually. Okay, so going from the depths of evil to something nice and wholesome <laughs> with Stardew Valley. Uh, I, well, we mentioned Stardew Valley earlier during the Golden uh, Joysticks. It's essentially Harvest Moon Plus. It's uh, Harvest Moon done in the modern uh, gaming with a lot more stuff to do and a lot more care. Yeah. Now, it had recently saw a uh, rather large uh, update, which added a lot to the end game and also added the ability to change your farm, uh, your starting farm. So you could set it so that if you want to be a fisherman instead of a farmer, you could have a more uh, a farm that focuses on fishing that has a lot of water on your farm to go uh, fish with, fishing into. So it, They've uh, definitely listened to the community. Well, I should say it's he. Uh, it's a single uh, developer with a few outsourced uh, stuff, but yeah, mostly just single developer. And it's uh, really something to look into if you want something just chillax, you know, uh, fire it up, play a few days of, because it's uh, accelerated time, you know, go from uh, uh, dawn till midnight and just. Uh, go farming really not really any complaints on it it's a bit older now so i'm assuming that there will be a bit of a discount but i'm not expecting a huge discount still but i think it is well worth it and it's also one of the few games i bought at full price recently yeah okay well my third game that i really want is virginia virginia came out a couple of months ago and it is a um I thought that's been a state for a while. <laughs> Fair play. Um, it's it's there are some things you can do with it, but it's more of a, a walking simulator, more of an experience type game. But 
Um, it has a lot of stuff that really speaks to me as uh, a, a psychologist uh, because you experience, or you're playing a black FBI officer, a black female FBI officer in like the late 80s or the early 90s when women were still, in particular uh, women of color, were still at an incredibly disadvantaged place in society. And that's not to say that they're no longer disadvantaged or whatever. Um, we've made strides, but it was worse then, basically is what I'm trying to say. And uh, so the perspective of the story, plus um, doing a murder investigation, plus kind of the psychological and the cultural aspects that go into it, plus the art style, which I think is pretty nifty, um, makes this a, a game that really stands out to me. And I've been wanting to play it, I mean, even before it released, I, I knew about it, I wanted to play it, but again, you know, just a lot of games, not enough time to get to them, and I knew it would go on sale. I mean, it's not super expensive, it's only like 10 bucks, but I knew it would go on sale for probably, you know, 20, 25% off, and that's enough for me for this game, given its price and how much I want it, so that's my, that's my third game. Okay, my fourth game uh, is one that I'm a little leery of just because of the history of the developer, but hopefully they've learned their fucking lesson and or start going to put time bombs in their game. It's Spin Tires. Spin Tires is an off-road uh, logging simulator where you're trying to get essentially from point A to get to point B to get logs and then point C to drop them off. Very sim- uh, simple in explanation, but is very difficult to do in practice. Indeed. And it's actually a lot more fun than it sounds like. A lot of off-roading, uh, a lot of dirt roads, and a lot to explore, actually. And it's not an ugly game. No, and that's yeah. even and, and that's just with the base game. This game has got a huge uh, amount of workshop support. And, yeah, unfortunately, uh, that's mostly just vehicles right now. There are some maps uh, on uh, the web, but you have to go digging for them. Yeah, but there are a lot of different vehicles, you know, stuff from like modern day, you know, monster trucks or, or real uh, vehicles like, you know, Fords and things like that that have been set up for off-roading. You can also get like horses, which are a little bit weird in the way that they work, but, you know, they work. You can get yeah, tractors. And this is uh, falling more on the line of simulation. It does yes. an amazing job with not only how the uh, the vehicles handle, but also how the ground deforms. On one of the maps, for example, you go through a essentially a lake that has a uh, underwater uh, uh, road that uh, has been pushed up. But as you go back and forth on it, that road will eventually erode away. And you're going to be in trouble if you keep using that. You have to either uh, just do a few trips on it or find an alternate path. Yeah. And there's really no other game that's done land information and mud just like uh, Spin Tires has. The tech is just amazing. Yeah. And different vehicles do different things to the environment. The bigger and heavier they are, the more damage they do to the environment and the more difficult they are to get around generally. Well, the small light vehicles don't do much in way of damaging the environment, and they can kind of uh, just glide over the fu- uh, the mud. But uh, if you go into deep water, you're screwed, right? Because they're you know they're small and they'll submerge, so or get carried away in the uh, current. Yep that that has happened to me more than once. <laughs> oh yeah, and my asterisk with this is that the developer did have a time bomb in their 
code that left the game unplayable for about a week. So if they uh, keep doing that, you know, it's uh, going to go off my recommendations permanently. Yeah. But it's also a lot of fun to play with friends. It has a multiplayer, but unfortunately you can't save. So it's, you have to do the entire map in one go and that's a couple hours. Yeah. You probably rush it down to about 45 minutes, but that is knowing exactly what you're doing and how to get uh, around the map. And having a group of people that know what they're doing too. Yeah. The best. And not just going to burst from the uh, uh, forest and give you seven liters of fuel and drive off. Yeah, drive off into a lake, Kyle. Um, the best we've been able to do was like an hour. And we were playing with with two of us knew what to do and two of us didn't. And we managed to get it done in an hour. So, But it was one of the easier maps as well. So, But yeah, great game. Love it. Talked about it a ton on here. Both of us have. Um, okay. Well, my fourth and final game is one that everyone's going to go, of course. Uh, it's Major Minor. Yeah, I remember, I make fun of you for the game, not the genre. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Major Minor is um, a visual novel that has uh, RPG puzzle solving and uh, um, a mystery, like solving a mystery, which is, I guess, is puzzle solving. But anyways, it's all of those things. But all of the cast, or all of the characters, are sexy, anthropomorphic animals. So you've got literal foxy ladies. Uh. <laughs> and of course, the goal is to romance as many of them as possible, if you're me. This is, I mean, this uh. is like, this is definitely a game that I want to buy, but out of the games I've listed, it's at the bottom. So, there are... Several games I'll I'll purchase ahead of this unless it's got like a great discount because it's only a couple of months old so I'm not expecting huge huge discount but it's also only twenty bucks if I bought it right now so I'm pumped yeah, only I'm pumped I mean everyone knows I have a love for visual novels um, and lots of you, things. you have a love for bad visual novels yeah they're I they're my they're my guilty pleasure although I'm gonna stop using the phrase guilty pleasure. Uh, because I, I don't think there's any shame in liking them. That's just a phrase that I've used, but someone pointed out to me the other day that they were like, well, I get what you mean, but you know, that kind of denotes shame and you're not ashamed of your, of what you're doing. Are you? And I'm like, hell no. Joe doesn't know the word, the meaning of the word shame. Nope. So these are just a pleasure of mine. No longer a guilty pleasure. And I know there's some of you out there who agree with me. You've told me so. I'm not going to name any names. I'm not going to call anybody out in case you you do have shame. <laughs> out people. But uh, uh, like I said, I don't. I like visual novels. It's just yeah, some of them that you like, you're <laughs> a little weird. Yeah. I almost put like the Sakura series on here because there's. I mean, they've added like four new Sakura games this year. But that's just kind of like I pick those up when they're like two bucks. You know, like three years after they release. Okay, so shall we move on to my last one? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so if you were disappointed in the summer for uh, the crappy Ghostbusters, well, I shouldn't say crappy, it just the marketing material looked terrible and I never really paid attention to it, or the absolutely abysmal game, and I could safely say that one, how about Ghostbusters 3 instead? 
or Ghostbusters the video game, which is essentially the script for what would have been Ghostbusters 3. And yes, it has the original cast as well. And you play as a fifth Ghostbuster that is nameless by design. It's actually an interesting way of how they uh, uh, get away with the nameless, uh, pretty much silent protagonist. Is that they, is that Vinkman says, no, no names. We don't want to get attached. You remember what happened to the last one. <laughs> <laughs> and the humor is uh, pretty much on point. I will say that uh, Bill Murray's performance is probably the weakest out of the cast just because he's Bill Murray and, you know, he's aloof. Showed up for a day, did the did as much voice work as he uh, wanted to, and they could never contact him again. So they had to reuse some of his lines and rework some of the, the uh, cutscenes to, like I said, that Bill Murray, you know, actually was speaking in some of them. Man, Bill Murray. What a character. Yeah. Yeah, Bill Murray, uh, it's uh, Bill Murray. That's the only way that you could really describe him. But yeah, you know, the rest of the cast is pretty much on point. Uh, only uh, problem I really have with the game is that, well, for one, it uses a lot of Phys X. So if you're on AMD hardware, it, you will see some frame drops, uh, particularly during a couple of the boss fights, just because of uh, some of the uh, particle effects that's going on. And also, uh, it uses a, well, a lot of physics in some of the, in one of the boss fights that I had particular trouble with just because of how the fight was handled. But that was one boss fight out of, of a entire series. So, uh, it's pretty well done overall. It's a third person shooter. Uh, technically, uh, you are still fighting ghosts and it also has, uh, not just the original Proton one, but it uh, has, uh, if I recall correctly, four different, uh, essentially, attachments to do different things that gets unlocked throughout the course of the story. And this game also goes on heavy, heavy discount, and it's, it starts off at 10 bucks as well. So if you uh, are even interested in Ghostbusters and want the third story, it is definitely worth it. It uh, has a lot of just little... Uh, Easter eggs and bonuses, uh, you know, uh, the portrait of Gozer is in the uh, <laughs> Ghostbusters uh, uh, headquarters, for example. And just, yeah, the dancing toaster from Ghostbusters 2, you know, uh, just all sorts of little nods to the uh, older stories. Right. I watched your your Ghostbusters. I watched your Ghostbusters series on YouTube and it was great. There, I got the words out. <laughs> the uh, the series or the game <laughs> yes both were both were excellent yeah it's actually my most popular series but mostly because I got a huge jump from the Ghostbusters Mania that was happening during the summer and it boosted my uh, search rankings on it yeah right place right time well I knew that Ghostbusters was going to be big and I wanted to go back and you know uh, uh, played a good Ghostbusters after, you know, seeing some of the stuff that was going on with go uh, the newer Ghostbusters. You know, just, uh, do, do you really want to get me started? I'm not a huge Ghostbusters fan, nope. but what they did to that game, <laughs> to that movie, oh. Nope, we're running out of time. <laughs> I have to go to bed at Come some on, point. We're only at, the, we're only at the three hour mark. Yeah, only at the three hour mark. <laughs> all right, so those are all the games that we picked this week. 
um, which means that it's time to move on to the final. Well, uh, and you can also uh, hopefully catch him at the curator that's uh, at our esteem uh, uh, group that will eventually update. It's just one of those things that that's a lot of work, and it's at steamcommunity.com slash group slash VGL podcast. Yep. And the curator is a separate uh, follow, by the way. Yep. We'll eventually get to it and just do a massive dump on it. Big dump. Huge number two. Yeah, no man's scob uh, size, you know? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> All right. So here's the part of the show where I get to go first telling you about what's going on on the channel for this week. And the, que- the answer to that question is I have no idea. It's Thanksgiving. <laughs> it's Thanksgiving. I haven't prepared because of the wackiness of my week with having to cram all my clients into the first three days of the week. Um, that's made it difficult to do any real video work. Or just send everyone over to my channel. Uh, then Thanksgiving's Thursday, and I'm definitely taking the day off. And then Friday and Saturday are basically um, project days. I've got a whole list of projects to do on Friday for like housework and uh, we're, we're doing a little bit of remodeling and we're going to do some repainting and, and fix some stuff up and we're getting some new furniture that's all assembly required, of course. So that, and we're, uh, making some significant changes to like some of our, like our closets and things like that, writing some shelves and just a whole bunch of house stuff. That's one day. And then the other day is, um, Christmas decorating. <laughs> so. Well, at least you wait till after Thanksgiving. Yeah. So, uh, we're, we're going tomorrow. In other words, you're going to be tired as hell for Portal. Yeah. Assuming that you show up. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're going tomorrow, actually, which Wednesday. So, two days ago, if you're listening to this on Friday. Uh, if you're not, it was sometime in the past. Uh, we're actually going to get a live Christmas tree. And we're just going to kind of stick it in the corner. And then kill it yourself. Yeah. I've chopped down a few trees in my in my time. I've used a chainsaw before. Yeah, it's more fun when they scream. <laughs> I grew up on a farm, so I've done lots of things. If the apocalypse ever happens, I would be okay. I've got the psychological skills to hopefully keep me and, and my party alive. And then I also have survival skills because I've I've grown crops. I have raised and slaughtered animals. And I know how to operate a wide variety of tools and machines. Yeah, and then when you die, you'll be able to feed them for quite a while because you're fat. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I'll be able to stay alive for a while because I'm pretty fat. So, you know. And you also have the long hair, so you'll be able to stay warm. Absolutely, keep my head warm. But all of that to say, I don't know. I'm going to try and plan some work time in there to, to edit and render some videos and post some stuff. Just render out uh, Portal 2, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not going to make any promises. I'm just going to do the best I can. It's, it'll be a miracle that I get the podcast edited tomorrow. It might it might not get done until Thursday. I might actually have to do that on Thursday instead of taking the day off to cram my face full of turkey and be on your turkey coma. Yeah, turkey and green bean casserole and pumpkin ale. You're making me hungry. Me too. Let's uh, let's hurry up and wrap this up so we can get a snack and I can go to bed. <laughs> So uh, you can find me on the YouTubes, if you're not on my YouTube channel, uh, by searching for Gaming Psychologists. If you want to follow me on Twitter, where I tweet about all kinds of random things, who knows what's going on there. It's just whatever I'm in the mood to talk about. Uh, you can do so over at JMA4707 on Twitter. If you want to watch me stream games, which normally is on Wednesdays and Fridays, but 
not this week. Going into the holidays, who knows? Um, but you can do that over at twitch.tv slash jarthur4707. And if you want to be my friend on Steam, I got another new friend or two this week. Uh, you can do so by looking me up and adding me on Steam. My username is jarthur4707. And if you wish to let them know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password this week is pyrite. 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 <laughs> nice. Um, and uh, every once in a while, I thought about fool's gold, but no, let's go uh, technical term. Absolutely. Uh, every once in a while, I do like to remind people that I am a therapist and, you know, I, I love to, to take care of people and, and get those steam cards and get those steam cards. But the, you know, the podcast community is kind of a larger extension of my, kind of my friend group, my family group. And, you know, maybe it's unhealthy as a content creator for me to think of all of you as my family, but (laughs) Hey, you know what? I care for you. So. You know, if if you're ready to talk yeah, about go, go get King, I'm going to te- have Uncle Rage teach him some interesting words. Oh boy, um, <laughs> that's what his grandfather is here for. Um, but seriously though, if you ever need to talk about anything that's going on in your life, uh, you need someone that you know is impartial um, and is trained in this sort of thing. Feel free to hit me up. I had uh, I had someone this week contact me and and talk to me about something that's going on in their lives. And, you know, no names, no nothing like that. But, you know, it just reminded me I hadn't made that statement in a while. So, seriously, anything that's going on, trust me, I've seen and heard it all. I just would love to to help you if you don't have anywhere else to turn or or would like to know where to go. Okay, I have a confession. I have Groove. Uh, he's in a crate right now with 15 pounds of uranium. <laughs> well, and I have a shipping label, but... I don't have the postage. Well, let me give you... How much does it cost to ship uranium? It's pretty heavy. Uh, let me just give uh, you a, well, a company card. Well, well, right now I'm kind of starving groove to try to get the postage down. Nice. <laughs> so where can they... What's going on for you and your channel this week, and where can they find you, Rage? Uh, well, in contrast to your channel, mine's operating normally. I had a reset on RimWorld this week. And it's not going to last that long. <laughs> Things went poorly in that series. Which means another reset. <laughs> right. <laughs> because that's really what happens with RimWorld is it just gets reset and uh, we try, try, try again. Uh, and if you wish to join that name list, I rename my colonist after people I know or people that uh, I may want to see harm done to. Uh, you could... <laughs> <laughs> uh, you could uh, tweet me over at uh, Gaming with CR, and I will add you to my name list. I can't promise a meaningful death, but it will be interesting. Let's just put it this way: I have a person. Well, uh, Katie has shown up, uh, Jared's wife, and she kind of had an infected toe that she wasn't going to make it, so I had to amputate. <laughs> In real life, she's broken all ten of her toes. Well, she had an infection, and it was either amputate or, you know, her die. And it sounds like I made the right decision, considering the threat she made towards me. Yeah, I'm glad that you that you kept my wife alive. I appreciate that. Yeah, which... Oh, and by the way, uh, at one point... Uh, uh, in the, Well, th- this is actually the new series that's going to start next week. And actually, I think this is going to be two weeks pa- uh, past, or in the second week of the new series. Uh her ex-lover shows up and win the raids and I, I kind of kill him. <laughs> Excellent. I never <laughs> liked that guy anyways. 
Yeah, and Katie is not is by far not the most mangled. There's another guy in the fort that's uh well let's say um we had a melee squad showed up that you know I kind of ended two series already, so I went a little nuts. And uh it was more if I'm going to hell, I'm gonna take you with me, and he dropped a grenade at his feet. <laughs> nice. And he lost an arm in that uh, little adventure. Killed the guy though. Whatever works. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, beyond that, uh, Warhammer 40k Space Marine is still ongoing, and I'm very tempted to change my plans because of something that's coming up for the Sunday Sampler, which, uh, Jared, no spoilers. Nothing. No spoilers. Uh, and of course, uh, Portal 2 is still ongoing. We're still doing the co-op, and hopefully we'll be continuing that next week. <laughs> we have no backup material for that, so it's... Uh, we're working without a net and we're working on co- workshop content and assuming that we still want to do portal two. Yep. And there was a little tease. I'm not going to actually give anything away, but there's a fifth game that I'm looking at, but it's going to be something that we're going to maybe do together. Yeah. So. Yeah. Assuming that you like it. I think I will based on what you've told me about it and some stuff I looked up, but gonna, yeah, it's an interesting one and it's also going to, well, this may be giving it away a little bit, just if someone knows you and uh, what I'm about to say, but it'll be a series that will be very, 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 very ongoing. <laughs> and that's even including, you know, going longer episodes, which, you know, haven't even decided on that one yet. But yeah, that's uh, all the series. Uh, podcast, of course, shows up uh, Fridays at noon. And, of course, the Sunday Sampler, which for once, I pretty much know what's going on. There's plans right now is going to be a double header because the game I really, really want to do has an embargo for 8 a.m. Monday, which happens to be not Sunday. So I'm going to try to do a second Sunday Sampler and then get the game that's embargoed out Monday morning, uh, the second the embargo lifts. Because... The hour I've spent with it so far has been fucking awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes, it's rare that you hear me this excited about a game. It looks really good. Not, you know, not giving anything away, but it looks awesome. (laughs) Yeah, and you're going to have to check it out Monday morning to see what it is. And you could do that over at Gaming with Caffeine Rage, or you could follow me on Twitter and you'll see me tweet out about it on Monday morning or with my other stuff. Yeah. Mostly been pretty random so far uh, in the last week or so. And that's over at Gaming with CR and, and uh, also Crash Jared's uh, uh, Twitch feeds. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, his stuff and not mine. Indeed. Okay, so uh, one last thanks to the Internet Archive. Well, I mean, I guess technically we should thank him for a couple more weeks because we're going to do yeah. overlap. But yeah, Internet Archive yeah, is on the way out. Uh, yeah. Uh, the cheeky little monkeys are going to be upset until they figure out how to get <laughs> the pod bean feed. Yeah. <laughs> Which, who knows? Knowing Kyle, he'll be sitting there figuring this out. <laughs> yeah, he'll figure it out. He'll crack the password or something. Then he can just go in there and listen. Uh, uh, Kyle will be sitting there uh, just typing away. like, okay, is this the uh, file name? No, that's not the file name. Is this the file name? No, that's not the file name. Uh, but a big thanks to the Internet Archive for unknowingly supporting this absolute nonsense. Uh, once again, if you wish to contact us uh, with your absolute nonsense, you can do so by just emailing us, vglpodcast at gmail.com, 
or tweeting us at BGL Podcast on Twitter. If you wish to support this absolute nonsense, you can do so on our Patreon feed. Uh, Patreon.com slash VGL Podcast. And to see the show notes for this absolute nonsense, uh, it's over at VideoGameLogicPodcast.blogspot.com, at least for the time being. And uh, are you going to f- uh, fill in the other uh, one because you didn't list it here? I, I copy-pasted it in. Um, uh, don't see it in the outro checklist. Weird. Then maybe I guess I just put it in the wrong place. Whatever. Uh, you can also go to vglpodcast.podbean.com to see our new feed. And once we get it designed, it'll be basically our new webpage. Uh, it, it follows kind of a, a WordPress. In other words, you're going to be putting me to work. <laughs> yeah. You're going to have another new job, Rach. Um, oh, goody. Uh, just wondering, is the iTunes and Google Play going to be updated? It will be updated. So if- Okay, so if you're listening there, you'll uh, not have to do really anything. At least I think it will be updated. I think that I can just transfer them over. Um, well, I guess we'll be finding that uh, that one out. Yeah. Uh, and if you're not iTunes, how about throwing us a review? That's going to be fun. We never mentioned that before. Yeah. it's. I think we mentioned it a long time ago, and we haven't talked about leaving us a review ever. <laughs> yeah, leave us a review somewhere. Uh, uh, send some people our way. Uh, think of it as a Christmas gift. <laughs> uh, yeah. Or a birthday present because, you know, uh, VGL does have a uh, Christmas birthday. And those suck. <laughs> <laughs> Our intro and outro music is on the ground by Kevin McLeod. You can find his work in Computech.com. And... As always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice. Boo-boo-bye now. Uh, see you next time. Bye. Just waved. I actually, like, physically <laughs> waved. I've never done that before. <laughs> Goodbye, children. Do, do you realize this is audio, right? Yeah. Yeah, it is. That's just how much I care. I waved. <laughs> <laughs>